Sage, can you wall? Sage, can you wall off? Luca, it's gonna be you. Wow, this is really this is the big this is the big energy we got for the Is it? No, I don't I don't think it, I don't think it's three hundred. This is a two centric, you know. So the way that we maybe like no, 10 now this years, it is like it's ten years this year. So every, every, this is our form. This is our form. We go through all the games that he played this were noteworthy to us or that we feel, you know, is important to discuss. Maybe we played them, maybe we didn't. Uh, that we do some game of the year categories and we follow it up with the, the next podcast being the predictions and, and all of this takes it's a, a whole takes thing a, takes around like three episodes it's, it's a whole thing it's a, long, it's a big to it's a big to do um and then a couple other uh, uh housekeeping kind of things which maybe aren't even housekeeping but the viewers know what i'm talking about is that and that that joke is not ours um, no that's not ours it's, but it's a good joke um so a couple other things uh we we don't mention every game it's if if you know there's too many games there's too many games and uh we only mention the games that we have something to say about say something about like if sonic we like sonic um frontiers um so if there's a game that we didn't mention then it probably isn't that significant um we uh the other thing that is that i always think is really weird when putting these lists together and it's just the the state of video games as a medium is that there are so many games that are uh, like early access or in betas and they it's kind of complicated because there's there's like a technically first day that you can play them that might be like maybe the first day that you can literally play them was was last year like in the, in the case of vampire survivors yeah. i believe it it, it was playable we, we, in november we make we make some weird rules here you know we will discuss the 1.0 release or we will discuss coming out into early access being playable. Really, uh, it's really a significance it, thing, right? Like it's, it's really just like it's if, up to us. If it, like it, it's our it's our show. It's yeah, we make up the it, the, the rules are are truly made up. Um, so we kick it off in January, um, a good month here. This is the overall. This is a really good year for video games. I was expecting. I I said that's what we the, say every year. No, I don't think so, because for multiple years, I was saying it was a bad year for video games. And this year, I predicted that it would be a good year for video games. There's some really good stuff. Um, it was the year of Bullet Heaven games. Um, it, just like I just said, Vampire uh, Survivors was out, a, was playable at the tail end of 2021. And uh, it is a very easily replicatable format, so there's a lot of those. Um, some really big games. Uh, the first game that we have on this list is Monster Hunter Rise for PC. January twelfth. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that we should talk about this on break. Yeah, maybe it's not. It's that... not super significant because I think you ended up. And I think I feel like most people like because the Switch version of Rise came out so much earlier. Um, uh, most people who are big Monster Hunter fans had played it there first, and then maybe if you were going to play it on PC, you'd probably wait for Sunbreak, which came out later this year. Um, yeah, I, I think that this was maybe my second most. Uh, with how much did I clock in the clocked, uh, 161 hours. It does look, it does look really, uh, it does look nicer. Um, it doesn't look better than, than worlds. Right. But, um, it's, it does look nicer. It, 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 then... it does by a lot. Um, and we'll talk about it a little bit more when we get on break. Uh, January 18. Here is a, here's a game. Nobody saves the world. It's an interesting idea for a game. This is made by the the folks who did uh, Guacamole. Yeah, which I think is a better game. Um, Nobody okay. Saves the World is really disappointing to me because uh, the idea of I think the idea of it is fantastic, 
but they were doing too much. The idea, so the idea of is it is that it's kind of it's like a it's not isometric. It's like a two D game a top down top down two D game where um, the kingdom is like under attack. The you, the you are like the apprentice of a wizard, and the wizard dies, and then you get a staff, and you're having to save the world. Um, I mean, with, not exactly. I mean, the the wizard to be clear, goes missing and nobody knows where. The- okay. And all of a sudden you show up as this, uh, wizard amorphous blob or something. Yeah. yeah. You're kind of like so a sloppy blob, man. I, I, I didn't finish the game, but I guarantee you that your character is the wizard that's been missing all along. I don't think so. I feel like it could be, I mean, I, I'm I more obvious. This could be like the wizard was evil or I, I don't know. But anyway, the main, the, the, the gameplay conceit is that should you, play it, I guess. you change, um, uh, forms and all of the forms have different um, abilities. Uh, you change to like different animals, uh, slugs, and I guess a slug and a horse. Like, oh, there's and, a horse and a uh, slug horse. And and yeah, the cool thing is that you could take ability. Like later on, you get the um, take abilities from one class and apply them. So if you have one class that can put down like a, a poison dart, and then another class that can explode all poisoned enemies, you can combine these together. To Create like a nice neat little synergy and later on the game encourages it takes a while for the game to get to that point and before then the combat came pretty dull and and most of the game is combat i, I think all of the game is fine uh but if you don't like the combat it is a little bit simple so if you don't jive with it that's really not going to impress you but I, I feel like that for you know i i feel like this this is a good game for for me or for us but uh it is very like turn your brain off, just like gr- it's very like grindy. You can kind of grind it out. It has like a a fun like kind of bright. It it has like this dark Zelda art style to it that, that's kind of nice. Where you know it, I guess if you go in with the right expectation, and I'm gonna say this a couple times uh, throughout this podcast, but this is a good game pad uh, because it's kind of like a one and done. You could play it. Maybe you don't know if it's tried on games. It's gonna be a big game pass advertisement. Uh, throughout this podcast um so. yeah i guess the other big thing is like there's so many quests that like there, there's so many reasons why i should like this game i think oh that, yeah there's a, it's a lizard brain game i think that that um there's so many reasons why i should like this game and i just don't think that it works out in practice and i think for me where it ended up uh going south was when you start having to mix the the abilities because there was just like this annoying moment where they're, they they make enemies that are immune to damage unless they got hit with a certain type of ability and like it was like the enemies were immune to damage unless you get hit with dark and the only dark that I had on a main ability was like was the rat was the rat and the rat's not fun and the enemies were like are swarming me it, and I feel like they could have done better with like the sort of I I, I I the way this game almost was sold to me was like a a cookie clicker almost but with quests where i thought it was just going to be like i have 80 quests and i'm just like going around and killing like dynasty warrior style killing large swaths of enemies and watching as like tons of quest trackers are are uh piling up and i don't think that it 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 does that in practice so i don't i don't even know who this game is for half the time it feels like it's trying to do that but it doesn't do that well enough so um I don't think either of us had that great of a time with it. Windjammers 2 came out in... You played this. Windjammers 2. A great Game Pass 
Uh, and I think that, you know, one thing that's a great game pass, game that you need somebody else to play with because this is a game that costs $20. Uh, it's also a leaving game, uh, but that's beyond beside the point. So this is kind of like, a, I guess the equivalent would be like a Lethal League Blade. Windjammers, the original, has been around for decades. Uh, it's essentially like a hardcore game of volleyball where you have to try to prevent disc from getting to your goal by a character, the character's abilities, and that's Windjammers. Yeah, I, I thought that this game was all right. It didn't have like a steam power for me. But it's kind of like a, it's like a fun, and it's got like a fun style to it. It reminded me of something that maybe like Capcom. I don't know who made the original Windjammers. Was that SNK? Either, either way, so Windjammers 2 came out. Um, I don't know that people are still playing it or talking about it, but it did come out in January. Nice. Tell me about Not For Broadcast, which you put. Not For Broadcast is an FMV game, and it was like a, it was actually a pretty good year for FMV. Uh, I, I feel like so so some people it was might published look by, at oh, this. just to go back it was published by SNK developer Data East it was in Neo Geo Windjammers that's good to know uh, so not for broadcast I think it might have won uh, it might have a Guinness Book of World Records for having uh, the most hours of FMV uh, put into a game so it, it's a really interesting concept of you are a you work in a newsroom that does live broadcast and your job is censor or like change camera angles uh to get viewership so it's interesting because it kind of says um it, it kind of talks about the power of media and the power of censoring the power of of even the way that cameras can use like focusing on different people's like facial expressions to make them seem portrayed in in a different way because the game has uh, multiple endings and multiple paths where you could sort of be siding with the government or siding with the people while they're in the middle of the sort of large uh, political. But it's also like a very weird and where there's all of these scenes that it's just like very campy and weird. There's this one... Uh, thing where you are f filming a sports tournament, but the purpose of the game that they're playing is they're trying to throw a ball, but not get it in giant large bit. So they're just, the, the two competing people are just coming up with clever ways of throwing the ball stylishly, but it not going in the bin of the enemy. And in the midst of it, there's uh, this protest where all these uh, streakers come onto the field and sort of uh, choose the correct cameras so that it's not showing the the streakers and their political signs unless you decide that maybe you want to show the uh so it's a really neat idea for a game it's really novel i i actually haven't coomed a lot of uh coverage of of game of the year but i i feel like this will probably be on people's it was a it was pretty interesting Neat. You ever uh, hear of that game? Not for broadcast. No, um, yeah, and, but the there's problem. some cool, th cool sounding things. Maybe it'll be on my list. Now. Um, Pokemon Legends Arceus came out the 28th Arceus. of January. Arceus came out the 28th of January, and for some reason, I played this, and I played a fair amount of this. Later on this year, Pokemon Sword and Shield came out, um, but we don't even have that on the list. Um, and I don't know what the deal is with that game, but I do know what the deal is with Arceus. Our uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus. So the Pokemon well, Legends. Know, that's Arce good. I actually know what the deal is with Sword and Shield. Nice. So, um, I so, didn't play it, but I could tell you all about it. So, I guess I guess so. Um, so this was a slightly different take on Pokemon. Um, I mean, very slightly. Uh, 
where the idea was that it took place in a time really prior to it's it's weird like you get teleported back in time and pokemon are there but they're more of like a scary thing and you're teaching people how to capture them and utilize them i guess um the okay the main diff the main thing that kind of makes this game interesting is that it's not a a one-for-one um uh pokemon uh traditional experience you see the pokemon out in the world and there's a lot of promise to that um when i when when we talked on the podcast for it i thought that this game is the closest in the last couple years to getting to what i want out of pokemon which is this uh you're you're traveling around in in a world and uh, you, the the world itself should be beautiful and interesting, and the Pokemon should be in it doing their Pokemon things. And I, that's what I want. I I want a a, a Pokemon game that gets closer to the vibe, uh, an open world Pokemon game that gets closer to the vibe of um uh, of the show and of the promise of Pokemon. Maybe like having like what I kind of want is like these cool moments of maybe it's raining and you see a Charmander underneath a tree huddling to keep his like flame a a a lit like that kind of stuff could be really interesting I think but in practice this game is a lot lazier which I mean it's it's the first word in the title should have maybe told you why it was lazy so um in practice it's just kind of like these very very dull open world areas um, that that don't really have a lot going on and, and ugly. You and, say dull, but they're also ugly. Yeah, they're ugly. They're ugly open world areas. They kind of they look like very. Um, they look like kind of N sixty four worlds where it's lumpy ground that that is text that has a uh, a texture map over it, but there's nothing. It doesn't look organically like a world very much it looks like a video game and the pokemon are just wandering in it they're not doing anything interesting they're just wandering um i i I really yeah i I would rather a smaller open like it's it's really big because it's multiple like area zones to go to i would rather a smaller more contained um style of open world that that you know instead of just there being like a field with a bunch of charmanders walking for like patrolling like and they do in video games or they they walk forward stop turn around walk back like that you, yeah. you, i know you know what i'm talking about like they're just standing around walking in like a circle basically like wh- why i would want this kind of thing where it's like the, you know the pokemon are doing something in the world that, that feels like diegetic that feels like they yeah, should you be know, doing l- last year we actually had a, a award for a category best pokemon game uh, most of them weren't Pokemon games, but the the Pokemon game that one was new Pokemon uh, for the Switch, which I think is still the best Pokemon game if you just like the idea of seeing Pokemon in an environment bullshit and being Pokemon. Uh, because in like the system of Pokemon battles sucks. Um, there will be apologists to tell you otherwise. It sucks. Uh, but my subjective and objective peak combat system in Pokemon sucks. And if you think it's good, then you haven't played uh, all of the RPGs are doing this better. Uh, you could listen to our categories from last year. But last year, we had Serum Ultimate. We had uh, Monster Hunter Stories 2 Wings of Ruin. 
both of which are better Pokemon than all of the main ones. I think Temtem uh, is a better Pokemon game because it even has a little bit more of a, and, and that's later on this year, and it, it even has like more of a combat caveat where there's an energy bar so so there's there's more to think about of like um you have to you can do this big powerful ability but it's going to burn you out so you have to wait a full turn do you do like more um smaller abilities to not run out of energy so there's there's like you know concepts like that that are being played with in the space and then pokemon just has this very traditional very boring four ability thing that has the moves have a certain amount of pp like what even is that i it's just it's just like it it, it's not interesting in any way and i i don't think that it it has like in in the third in like the almost 30 years that pokemon has existed it has like not really changed the formula in any meaningful or interesting way so we're still kind of dealing with like the limitations of a Game Boy game in the in the 90s, right? Like that because sure, yeah. It, like it it feels like the po- Pokemon isn't so, especially especially when you talk about battle, battling itself. The, the the it feels like we're still beholden to the limitations of a literally like 1998 Game Boy game that that ha- that only has you know room for X amount of space and the Pokemon sit there and. They don't move, and then you choose one of four abilities. Like, can we can we make it five or something? I don't even know because it feels like there's so many things that they're doing wrong in in Pokemon. Whatever. Um, February. Well, so the last piece I'll say on it is that I think that there are, and and I'll say this now because I don't think we're gonna get to care about it. But I, I feel like there's still, um, if the internet is to go by, there's a lot of Pokemon and people who will say like, well, I grew up with Pokemon. I did so too. I'm, I'm going to keep playing it because like, it's my childhood. And it's like, if you had a sibling that bullied you your entire childhood, you don't have to like hang out with them when they're an adult, especially if they haven't ch- like, you, you could just go spend your time and your money, a different version of it. anyways, at least Arceus uh, attempted to, yeah. but it also goes to prove uh, that these studios uh, don't care and can't really they they don't know how to make actual well i think that that anyone who would apologize for pokemon this is a long this is longer than pokemon deserves but anyone who who apologized for pokemon i think that pokemon might be the greatest all-time example for when you apologize for a company that all you're doing is giving them a pass to give you the same thing like over and over again right like if if pokemon just keeps coming out and people buy pokemon no matter what and they it, I, 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 I don't even envy Game Freak half the time because it, if they were to add, you know, a fifth ability or something, how would it mesh with the old Pokemon stuff? And would that like freak Pokemon fans out too much? It's they, they have I feel like over the years they have tried to do things like Arceus. They have tried to do Pokemon Coliseum or do these these offshoot Pokemon games, but they're afraid to call it you know, a mainline game or to do the split where it's, you know, sword and shield, red and blue, gold and yellows, or, or um, uh, gold and silver. Like, they, they, they have, they've been afraid to do these kind of things um, outside of the main games, right? Like, so they, they kind of test the waters with these side games, and then they the side games don't do as well, and then they make Pokemon, you know, cereal and milk, and then Pokemon cereal and milk like sells way more than the side games because people know it's the main game and they're like, yep, yeah, people wanted this. People just want the same thing shoveled in to their mouth every year. 
cereal milk. But so speaking of the same thing, Dying Light Two came out this. Um, but Dying Light One is a better game than got that going. Dying Light, the original one, sort of had this. What a bar to clear. It it, it be, well it became sort of a, a a darling because it um kept releasing updates all the way through 2021. They just kept releasing updates. Most of them were free. Dying Light is an open world zombie game, right? It was in the city, and you were like a courier. You were, yeah, you were a courier, and you were. It it is a. It was kind of the evolution of uh, Dead Island, but it's very uh, parkour, parkouring through a city of zombies at night. So you have to use the daylight hours to do your quests. It's a very uh, Ubisoft style of open world game where you are moving through a map that is full of icons you're climbing up to towers to reveal more icons on the map and outside of uh, and you know that, that pretty much tells you everything uh primarily melee focused combat uh with tons of weapon modifications very like rpg heavy equipment uh comes to moving through different skill trees and there are you know there's like gear that is based on like set bonuses so you kind of can create like a build of like this is my ninja build where I equip this gear and I can stealth kill really hard or like a tanking my tank set. This is my like movement set. So, you know, you have those sort of options. Uh, it's a very good looking game. I think that it had, I don't remember if it had a reaching. It might have, but it does. The, se- the second really, one most definitely does. Right. Yeah. But really strong uh, HDR and then also really good darks. Um, a little bit like chunky it, it uh, in a couple of ways like it is I, I think rendering so much on though i you know have like a 38 i felt it like you know like uh miss some frames here and there um and then also chunky and like the the combat starts very rigid because as one of the you start with very few abilities and it is very challenging normal guys but as you progress through the skill tree and unlock more and more things, uh, the combat becomes fluid. I actually didn't play a lot of this. I played, I guess, six hours of it. So maybe this is a game that I get back to in 2020. A lot of games up. Uh, Lost Ark we played a lot of. This is a... a Remember that? Uh, I, I really wanted to play more of this, but it was like... It, it was such a little flash in the pan where a lot of our friends played at once. Even Saran the Collector um, play, played this, and... Uh, it is a isometric uh, open world RPG. Um, it's very traditional, but extremely good combat. A really good combat. Very the, super action heavy. Um, uh, you only at all like kind of like a Diablo game, but with but uh, um, you know open world. Think, is it Diablo? Because I feel like the only way this game is Diablo the camera. I feel like a lot of people made that comparison, and then there were a lot of people who argued back against it. This game plays like a modern day mm i mean i i just say diablo also because it's like you you're you're traditionally in in this game you're fighting uh large groups of of enemies and you have a, a bar with a very limited amount of abilities i think that more modern day mmos might not be quite as action heavy or action focused and they might give you you know like your 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 whole access to all of your abilities but this game kind of similar to diablo makes you choose yeah, um, I mean, when cer- I say modern, I mean like a Black Desert. But Black Desert also does lets you do that, right? It lets you have every ability, um, uh, and I, I feel like that is a big part of Diablo is is builds and um, uh, having a really limited ability. Like you only have access to you know five or so of your abilities. So what are you going to put on your bar, and how and how is that going to affect things? Um, so 
uh, really fun game, free to play, MMO, um, and worth, uh, worth playing. Uh, we didn't get to end game, but I think that the story. I, I skipped through all the story, but I, I, I feel like you get your money's worth. This you get your money's worth by just playing and like playing those characters. And I, I think that since we've played, they must have introduced new characters. Yeah. Uh, also the. Uh, the the dungeons in this game are wild. They're they are so good. They're so they are good. good. They, like th- this game was such an enjoyable game to play because at the time that it came out, uh, all of our friends were playing it. And then you know, you every couple of levels or so, there would be a new dungeon, and some of them just they would they they were so they were just so interesting. Such a huge break from what you were doing. Um, you usually have to like gather with you get with friends to go do them and like there'd be all these you know dynamic camera angle changes bosses that you know completely changed or had like a crazy gimmick that you had to do and i really really appreciate that i thought that was extremely fun this is a great game like i wish i played more of it um in so why'd you fall off there because everyone else did that was really the thing it was like i i kept playing it like i had two characters and it just felt like um, uh, everyone else was moving back to other things. I think around this time you might have been getting bigger into League. I think a, a Pia, well, I think a uh, Path of Egg started off. Um, so, uh, February, KOF 15. Um, KOF 15. We love fighting games here. Uh, uh, KOF is not traditionally a big franchise for us. Um, there's a lot John of reasons. Liked, uh, John originally, I think he liked KOF the most out of our. And I don't even think he really liked this one that much. Um, uh, yeah, so so KOF 15. Uh, this game is not the prettiest uh, girl at the ball, and I think it, it even... The ugliest imp- fighting game of the year. It even improved from, like, the early trailers. Like, the early trailers, this was a very ugly-looking game, and I, I still feel like they're not there yet. KOF, um, I think KOF 14 is, like, a monster mash. Um, but... But KOF 15 is still, it's still, you know, looks extremely dated. And in the fighting, that graphics and style, I think, are way more important in fighting games than they are in, in a lot of other games. And it's very easy to tell why. I mean, you're you're staring at the same characters and moves and the same, you know, 20 or so stages for hundreds of hours, right? So... So Guilty Gear looking absolutely incredible, or DNF looking gorgeous, um, those are th- that kind of stuff matters because you're gonna see the same attack over and over again. So so making it look as good as possible is is a really big deal. And this game just has this weird uncanny valley. If like they've they've kind of taken like the rigs from the old KOF uh, 14 kind of out like KOF never grew up really well. So like it, it, it they moved from sprites the, the last out of all the other fighting games. And when they did go to 3d, I think the rigs kind of look a little weird because the, they're trying to emulate the sprite movement. And then this one, they kind of just up some of the rigs or uh, kind of read it a little, but for the most part, the, the, the animations are exactly the same. And, it doesn't really look good. There's a lot of weird stuff. Like, I think one big thing is like K Dash looks cool as hell as a sprite, and then as a 3D model, he kind of looks like a divorced dad. And like, mm. it's just it, it's not a great looking game. Um, the other thing was like a lot of us fell off of it. I, I think that the 
KOF style is still not as much for us. Um, uh, you ha- it's a 3v3 game. You have to learn three characters, and um, there's usually like one or two characters maybe that you like playing, and then maybe one that you're like not as comfortable on sometimes. Like if you My, play... Well, I kind of felt also that like the characters, for the most part, felt same. Yeah, they're really samey in it KOF. It felt like there were not like um, these like character fantasy character archetypes that were really yeah i would say that one big thing of it is kof is kof is an extremely um system uh game and i think that's 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 i mainly say that because of the movement so i i think that like if you get a for someone who plays a million hours of kof once you've gotten a similar to tekken has korean backdashing kof has stuff like um short hop and super short hop and all this got like a short hop is like you have to quickly tap up or forward um but then go like it can only be like a frame or two like you can't hold it and they the the character just kind of like doesn't do their full jump arc it's a very low to the ground uh jump and the and it's for pressure you know like like maybe you do like a regular jump over fireballs for a screen but a short hop is something you kind of do in someone's face to to get them high low guessing um and maybe if you're like unbelievably good with the kof style of movement and you really you know lock that down the way that you would like a tekken korean backdash that you kind of feel like you can play anyone but um uh it's it's a little bit of like it takes a little while to get used to and like the game i don't think the game is like as fun while you're still getting used to it and i I don't know i just i i I feel like there's a lot of reasons why one of the big reasons why this game didn't do as well also is because the net code was not that great it was bad the net code was bad um and it was the worst rollback net code ever yeah rollback doesn't mean it's going to be good is it's that's an interesting thing it rollback doesn't actually mean that it's going to be good um, it just means it's going to be uh, more fair, but it could still be fair and just feels like shit. Yeah. So, yeah, it didn't feel that great. And I know that th- there was a huge period of time where there was issues with the, the netcode where, like, people weren't able to find fights. Um, and mm. then the last thing I want to say about it is, as I feel like they've done a pretty good job, at least, like, they, they came out with some, like, free DLC um, uh, uh, of... Rugal, which is really cool um, to just add. I think it's a really good idea to add um, free DLC to a fighting game, something to get uh, casuals or people who uh, don't have a season pass back in playing. You need to keep people playing a fighting game, and um, that's a that's a cool little thing. Now, the for one of the most important uh, launches of the year, or all time, um, uh, I don't say that lightly, uh, is, is Elden Ring. Uh, came uh, out January darling. 25th. A world. A, it feels a world ago at this point. Uh, maybe the game that uh, I was most curious about when, like, I I was worried about this, and I looked into it. I, I didn't look into it at all. Like, I really stayed... Like, the most I knew about this game is I knew, like, there are going to be people, and they're going to be running through fields of green, and they're going to run into... So when the Metacritic scores hit, and it had an average of 96 over 94 critic reviews uh i knew i had to take some time off to uh this is also the game that made uh completely redo my gaming space uh where i you know i used to just like have a my desk and i moved everything upstairs uh so that i could just like have a space completely to myself and play through elden ring uh interesting that's what i did similar experience for me was that um the early hours of elden ring just made me feel like this is a real once-in-a-lifetime 
feeling kind of similar to me to playing uh, Breath of the Wild for the first Absolutely. time. The, yeah. that, that feeling of, and I mean, that's that's an obvious comparison to make because it, it, it shares a lot of the same DNA, but uh, it really and, gets... And I think you went back and played Breath of the Wild after playing I did. some Elden Ring, right? I, Yeah, I finished Breath of the Wild after playing Elden Ring, because I wanted, because there's yeah, a lot like of things... Like a second time? Yes. So, uh, they, I, yeah, I had finished it when it when it first came out. So, so um, uh, for me, like, I, I, I had a similar experience where uh, I, I, I had this feeling of, like, this is a astounding you know to experience this game is going to be a you're not going to be able to experience a second time and this is going to be a really once in a lifetime kind of game and that a lot of games in the future are going to curb this um so i really want to have the best experience with it and while i I, I, like 20 or 30 hours in um my pc was crashing a lot during this and uh my pc crashed and it corrupted the data and I kept trying to figure out a good way to um, to fix this, and I was going online to try and find fixes, and then I really learned something, which is, like, you should never make changes to the code of a game without saving. So I was, like, editing hex data, and uh, I think I made it worse, and uh, just, like, you know, lost all that time. So I was like, I don't want to go back in. My, my PC was already kind of chugging a little bit. I don't want to just go back in and play the game and have this happen again. So I, I completely bought a, a new PC from the ground up and built it for uh, nice. Elden Ring. And, and how long has it been? Since? Uh, since February, right? Since March, right? No, I mean, uh, before. The... Oh, oh, it would have been like 10 years, I guess. I mean, like I, the it's last been a long time. Coming. Yeah, it was, I, I think I was, it, it must have been like 2011 or something. Was I think I was 21. It? Um, I think, the, yeah, the PC's been worth it. It's a gorgeous PC, and it's a lot better, and it's not crashing all the time, so there you go. Um, and how did Elden Ring prevent once Extremely you, uh... well. After the the initial kinks were worked out, because um, there, there were some problems with it, and I forgot what I needed to do. Um, some, like, kind of weird bio stuff had to change. But eventually, I got everything worked out, and it, and it, and it looked fantastic. Elden Ring is a profoundly good-looking game. I think, like, some of the stuff, and it's like... It, we, we talked so much about this game. Um, some of the stuff that I remember the most was that uh, that the the when you're in the open world of Elden Ring, you kind of can always see the the tree. Yes. The what is it? The Erd tree. The Erd tree. You can always see the Erd tree, and I think it's like one of the most incredible design choices I've seen aesthetically yeah. from a video game. The way that. The, you are the Elden Ring is like incredibly massive, at least for like a, and it really creates this feeling of a pilgrimage. Yeah, of, of you, you of you always having your your goal in view, which is kind of similar to Breath of the Wild, where uh, from most parts of the map you can see the castle of Ganon, like with that that beacon of uh, of darkness, you knew that that was always the uh, the final place you were gonna go, right? Yeah. Um, so I just, you know, unbelievably good looking game. Uh, the, it, it's, it, it's so, and, in- and, and for a game that is so massive, uh, it still contained a lot of spectacular moments. Now, you know, that, that comes with some reservation that there were also, uh, some copy and paste dungeon, which while annoying are also completely avoidable. People who are like, I don't really give a shit about grinding. 
I mean, it was the it's it was the equivalent of what they had in Chalice Florida's Dungeons. Dungeons called. Yeah, Th- this game is full of Chalice Dungeons. Yeah, um, but but more so, I think it's it's weird to talk about Elden Ring because I, I don't take back my my initial st- statement that it is a really profound game. It's one of the best games that has ever released of all time. I think it's also an incredibly important game um, for a ton of reasons. Uh, but the it's like a hindsight thing. I, I think that a lot of the reviews were probably... I, I would have to say that I think a lot of the reviews were probably finished and like typed up and sent out prior to having the hindsight of what this game looks like from from the rear view kind of there's a lot of negative things um the there is a, a ton of copy and paste and it's not just the the dungeons it's it's like you start to see the world like becomes gamier the more that you're in it where early on there'll be like a moment where you find uh ruins and you're like oh if i could like and you like step on a thing and it works this way where like there you find like a secret passage and then just gets to the point where you start realizing like, okay, the ruins always have a, when I see this style of ruins, it always has a um, stairs that lead to a bottom floor kind of thing. You start to see the same bosses over and over and over again. And especially in the late game, they get this huge problem with um, just, just showing you, giving you a same boss, but then giving you a different boss, giving you two bosses, that you maybe have already seen before and at the same time. And those are like, those end up being bad experiences. They're like, we will, I guess, call those like gank bosses. Like you end up fighting a lot of like two enemies at the same time and they're the same bosses that you fought before. This game does that thing where, where the Dark Souls has kind of done in the past, but it does it. It's because it's so big, it feels so spread out. And you do a lot of like fighting a boss, then fighting that boss a lot as a enemy in the open world. Um, yeah. there's, there's a ton of repeating content and it makes the game like for is, is the, the game is like both massive and small at the same time because of that. Like it starts to feel like, like you start to get to the point where you're like, Oh, I've seen this setup before. I know exactly what this building, whenever you find one of those like large buildings, don't you just go to the top and, uh, like there's like these little towers and you go to the top and it gives you always get a spell slot. Um, yeah. uh, so there's stuff like that. Then there's. Then there was so much stuff that we talked about at the time where uh, the, the 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 difficulty of this game is really whack. It's really weird because it's all over the place and it really varies by character. Yeah. Where some people are, and I don't think that that's new. That that's been a factor you know, for a while. Maybe not Bloodborne, but definitely Dark Souls, especially where depending on your build, you're going to struggle with some bosses. Some people will have a challenging you know bosses to time with and all of that. Well, there's also the fact that so so other than the fact that the world doesn't give you like exactly a, a hint to where you're supposed to go. There, there is like these kind of like waypoints that that point you in direction. But there's a lot of different way, ways to tackle the world, and you can end up in these kind of end game zones uh, that you're not supposed to be in. Um, but so, so you can kind of end up with in these areas that you're not supposed to be in. But one of the weird things about the game is that. The difficulty is just all over the place, even for the, the zones you're supposed to be in. Uh, it, it really, I ended up feeling like the development team had come off of Sekiro and Bloodborne. So so it's really, the, the, the evolution of Dark Souls is kind of interesting to me. In the beginning, it was like the bosses are so difficult that 
they were famous for being difficult, but really it was that people weren't used to them. And the uh, and the main way to beat the old Dark Souls bosses was you just kind of slowly strafe around them and then you roll when they attack. And that, and that was kind of it. Like you just kind of like circle strafe them. And people just like weren't used to it. And then the more that people got used to the Dark Souls style of like interacting with the bosses and waiting for them to attack and punishing them on learning their patterns and learning when to punish them, um, people got like, it, it's like the world has gotten better to, to at the point to Dark Souls to the point that like, I don't know if people consider these games like ridiculously hard anymore because they're usually easier to, to get around. And then games like Bloodborne and Sekiro offered a lot more movement and a lot more agency from the player. And then with Elden Ring, it feels like they went back to the Dark Souls, Dark Souls style of movement. movement. They don't have crazy parrying or an insane um, quick dash like Bloodborne or the... Um, the ability to get back your health when you take damage like Bloodborne. So there's all these offensive things that have, you know, these, these, these player abilities and agency that, that have built up as the bosses have gotten harder to counteract the fact that people have gotten more used to fighting these bosses. Then you go back to Elden Ring, where it feels like we went back to a really old, like, not polished, Dark Souls-y style of combat where you really are just like... You have your regular attack and your heavy attack, and that's kind of what you do. You walk around, you have your regular attack and your heavy attack, and magic is just like you cast the magic. Um, you just like scroll to where the magic you want to use is, and you cast it. So it has this extremely outdated style, but the bosses feel like they're from Bloodborne or Sekiro, where the bosses are extremely quick, and they usually don't have a lot of time to um to to attack them um they they a lot of people feel like they're unfair and one of the probably major reasons why was they added this like the the, the balancing since there's no difficulty mode they they, they added a the the uh the the what is ashes. It? the ashes yeah like the ashes uh, uh of war i guess that you could summon um these like ghosts to, to help yeah, you so so effectively uh elden ring is also a better po yeah um, the bar is so low. So, so the bosses were kind of, I feel like they were kind of like tuned up to, to, to not only account for people getting better and because the, 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 uh, development team was just coming off of like Sekiro and Bloodborne, but also the fact that there's these ashes where you can summon a NPC to help you and, um, the, the, the bosses are still not really good at splitting their aggro. So it feels like the difficulty just all over the place. I don't know. It, it, it is still a profoundly good game, but it, it's like, you have to look at it for like all it's like, it ha had a lot of flaws. I wish that, uh, the actual gameplay of it was closer to Bloodborne or Sekiro and that you were, um, you know, more, maybe had more agency, more abilities. Um, you were maybe more like, it'd be cool if you were a little bit more mobile. I would, I want them to change the, the spell system i feel like that that it just it feels a little one note of like you pull out your catalyst and then you scroll to the spell and i think it would be cool if they moved towards action year spells i don't, do you feel like your opinion of this game has changed i feel like my opinion has always been different from yours uh because i value rpg elements in these games uh, <coughs> and, and sort of just like uh I, I value the idea of 
me going in with a different kit compared to somebody else and us talking about it and, you know, them saying, oh, I struggled with this. I, you know, or I found this really good weapon, but it's not for my build. And then I'm like, oh, that's for my build. Where did you find it? And I, and, and I find that that's also something that you only get when these games release is that sort of um, people coming together to be like, okay, so what did you find? Where did you fit? Oh, you're going for a dex build. There's this really crazy dagger that you if you walk through this like riverbed, um, and, and I think that that stuff is really cool. I know that early on you had also complained that you felt that, that um, you sort of didn't luck out where you kept uh, finding things that weren't for your build and that that was frustrating than that, you know, you kind of prefer the Bloodborne style of you could pick up anything, and, you know, you get something new and everything is for you. Um, whereas I kind of... I well, Bloodborne does do have different builds. Uh, Sekiro is yeah. a little bit more like that or like... Uh, uh, Breath of the Wild was it was definitely like that, you know, like everything in Breath of the Wild is for you. Yeah, and there, but there's a lot less of it in Breath of the. Wild. This game does have like a, like, like one of my favorite things in this game, and, and I think something that this game, I, I thought that Breath of the Wild had this situation where, uh, there felt like there was so much to explore, but the actual rewards for all kind of felt the same. Um, and with this game, one of my favorite things was you pick up a new weapon. And it has this ability you've never heard of. You press R2 and some crazy shit happens. And I feel like that is a really satisfying feeling, especially when it's something that you get from a boss in a dungeon that was off of the beaten path or behind like some stupid fucking invisible wall somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I love the moment of just picking something up and, and seeing what it does and realizing that's powerful. Uh, I, and I remember one of the weapons that I ended up using like I, I forget what it was called, Astalos's like like Tears of Estelle or something, where it was this sword where we pressed R two, it made like all of these comets explode, and I remember getting that weapon and carrying it with me through like half the game, and I would get all of these other different ones, and I ended up going for like a mixture of Dex and Magic, which ended up uh, being a really popular build, but that's kind of what I always went. Uh, so just rolling around and and. I got a ton of different weapons, but I always went back to that one because I felt like it's so cool. Like it was so like aesthetically satisfying. And I really dug a lot of the bosses and, and I really dug these like pinnacle moments where, you know, you're running through like this bed of water and a dragon like falls out of the sky and like, and then like the stuff that you would get like, oh, you know, I'm really early in the game, but maybe I could kill the dragon. Maybe I could kill the knight and you get it and you get something out of it. I think that that is just like such a cool feeling in a moment when things happen and you know at the very start of the game you see this you come out and there's this knight that uh is trotting through this starting area and you take him down and you get his weaponry and that is that is a cool feeling that i feel like um you know it's something that you really only get from yeah i just i really wish that there was a little bit more curated stuff a little bit more like um uh I, I I mean like this is asking a lot because this game is pretty big and wild, but I wish it was tuned the the size could be tuned down a little bit more to have uh, some more curated interesting moments like the the um uh, the volcano manor or something. Um, it would be cool to just like have moments where that were a little bit more wild of like oh you got cat like I I think of stuff like uh, was it even tide island and stuff like that where it's. A complete departure of the game like you like this thing happens it's just insane it's like it, normally you're interacting with the game in 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 a regular way even when you're over even when the challenges that you're overcoming are new but it'd be kind of cool if it was like you get locked in a building by 
uh, like if, if someone tells you go do a quest to go pick up uh go save his daughter in this building that you there's monsters get patches in there again you just want to get patches yeah just patches well well patches um, patches knocks you down from this thing but uh but yeah i mean like i, I some more cooler things like i feel like a lot of the game you you just like like i said you you see a type of building and you're like okay this is one of those or like you see a, like a little area of like a flooded village and you're like oh it's one of those ghosts ghosts that uh, are on boats and you know like you see a lot of that where where you just start but it's to... cool the first time and it's... i would argue that if you took all the pinnacle dungeon and all of those first time moments that this is still a bigger game uh than a lot of other dark souls fully cured and i think that maybe a lot, you know the public was spoiled by the size of it and a lot of it being created but i feel like if the you know it was almost the situation where they had this massive dark soul and they cut it into pieces uh spread it across this large open world and then you know copy pasted some moments in it. but I, I i i think that this game has both quality and quantity but they're in different they've yeah, got sure. the quality over here there is something to be that, that has to be said about the the literal scale of the game it, it's insane even if they're reusing stuff it just feels like it's like this is a basically like the 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 low end of this game finishing this game and not even doing all the side stuff or uh seeing everything is like 100 hours like for the first time it's like a hundred hour playthrough so the game just feels like massive and there is something to be said just at the end of the day about yeah just and, just and this, there this, are, this yeah. scale and how small you feel and how like incredible it feels just yeah. to like move and, around and the world this, and there is that moment where you go to one of my favorite moments these bell towers that bring you to a different and one of the bell towers you're on top of this floating rock and in the distance you just see uh, storms. You just see all of these sandstorms, tornadoes, and like this coliseum, and you, you can't get to it, but you see it, and it's really, um, it, it is, it is a, it is a spectacle. And, and this game is full of those moments, like going down uh, to the underground world for the first. Time. You know, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about this game later when we. Um, I, I think that it earns its place from one of the best games. Yeah, it is really one of the best games still. And it's something where, like, I, I, I don't regret all the, like, PC building or anything going back to it. It's, like, it's a pretty profoundly incredible game. Even I anything negative to say about it, like, I, I, I think there's a lot of things to be critical about. And even then, it is it is pretty incredible. It's pretty unbelievable. Um, so, March 4th, Triangle Strategy. I played this game. You did? I think it's a great game. Uh, and so this is the develop. I think this is the developers of Octop. Um, much better combat, much better game uh, than Triangle Strategy. This is a uh, tactical RPG combat stylings. Un unfortunately, it does lack the uh, character customization and job system. Every character that you get is kind of this character has these abilities. Uh, but there's a pretty wide range of characters. Uh, and because of the way that the traversal works and the maps work and things like that, there are something and abilities that you get that like seem like they would be kind of plain, but are actually one of my favorite characters who has the ability to build ladders and put ladders on them, uh, which sounds so mundane, but it, it actually does feel like a big deal of being now you have the ability to flank and for, but ultimately this is a, uh, it is a super, you know, political JRPG. Uh, about the war between these three kingdoms uh, you are obviously a part of uh the best and most uh you're you're the griffin you're the Gryffindor, and you're between a slytherin and a raven uh, i'm not allowed to use any of the uh, jk rowling term in this podcast anymore turf uh, huh what yeah so, so 
Anything else for a triangle strategy? I'm just in, I'm in the middle of it, baby. Keep I'm going. I'm in the middle of it. Uh, the story is actually really, I, I liked it a lot. Uh, some of the characters are a bit, a little bit one dimensional, but this is also a game where you are choosing your own adventure. There is a branching narrative uh, where you sort of have to decide like what's right and what's wrong. And different characters in your party will sort of side with you or like, you know, they all have their own opinions on things. And there is this diplomatic aspect of the game where a situation is about to, so you walk through, you talk to people, you gain information, and then it comes to this voting phase where different characters will be like, I think we need to attack through the front of this castle. I think it's going to be our best chance of survival. And then other characters will be like, I want to uh, set a distraction where we set this area on fire so they run over to it and we and the different characters in your party will all have opinions. And based on what you want to do, you have to try to convince your party members uh, that the way you want to do it is correct. So information you've gathered and, and tell them. But but it's not just about uh, finding a piece of information. It's about what are the what are these characters specific interests? Like there's this one character who really just cares about protecting. So when you come to them within, you have to say like. Uh, this strategy is good becomes way. Uh, so you can't just like take a piece of information that like you might find a piece of information that's like, well, this one guy is a really skilled fighter. So you really do have to like, figure out what the characters like interests are and sort of play into. It. So the political aspect of the game is pretty neat. Um, in terms of the actual combat, it is also really good. One of the criticisms that I have games like this though, and one of the issues that I had with a uh, uh, and also, it, it is a it is a pretty challenging game. There are a lot of fights where I did have to restart them. It is it's a thinker of a game, but it is also a bit grindy. Uh, and by that I mean like if you want to like level up your guys, there are like training missions that you have to do, but there aren't like side quests. A lot of side quests. There's just these. Uh, and if you want to level up a guy, you have to do like multiple times sometimes to level up characters to where you want. And that sucks. That that is a that is a feels bad. And compounded by the fact that the fights are they're pretty long. Uh, so repeatedly doing the training missions over and over to grind up your guys or to get money, uh, it feels bad. And one of the things that I really miss from Final Fantasy Tactics that they did so much better is just a lot of quests available to you at any time. You could pop in and always like make progress. Like even if you don't want to progress the story mission, uh, you could grind on stuff. Uh, while still feeling like you're something a little bit different. Um, continuing this, on with... Sometimes this uh, this uh, time of the year feels like the 30 Rock scene, Jack. What a week it's been. <laughs> he says, What, what a year it's Tuesday. been. Lemon, it's only Tuesday. Speaking of Tuesday, March. Speaking of hey, Tuesday, Tuesday. Have a nice death. Have a nice that death. Does not, that does not sound... No, it's not. It's uh, like there. there's a, a, a spoiler. Or there's like a, um, a warning or up front. Uh, the, the game deals with death. Uh, I think that there... I, I was trying to remember the name of it. I think it's like there's a boss called like Carl Hung, which is, if, if I'm correct, is a Carl Jung and um, a hanging joke because the boss is like hanging from the ceiling and then breaks the rope and like attacks using the rope. Um, uh, so, well, hung. from. So, uh, have a nice have death. a huge old donger? He, he is hung like a horse from the nice. ceiling. Uh, so, so, uh, have a nice death is a action roguelike is it is in the vein of a dead cells game. Um, I would say impressively 
have a nice death actually has a uh oh this is in early access by the way um uh, actually has D- dead cells style of movement and it feels like fantastic um it the the combat is so like the, the combat and movement and everything is like so tight the actual gameplay is is really incredible um where it kind of differs and where i haven't seen it I'm still kind of playing it right now because I recently got it. I when it, this had first come out, it was on my radar, but uh, initially people weren't so hot on it. But I think a lot of things have got added to make the game uh, uh, be in a, in a much better state. Uh, I I always like these kind of games to have a lot of interesting synergies and to yeah. to quickly feel like the run is getting unique. And I haven't really felt like that that much in this game. Um, there's a lot of things that like like I I don't really feel like it gets too wild too quickly. Um, uh, maybe it'll get more wild as the game goes on. Um, it's a great art style, though. It's a really cool art style. But that's a, another thing that I would say is that the the first um uh, like the, the the first zone that you're in is just very dark. It's very like black and white. It is a bit drab. It's the it's animation. The animations are fantastic, but the the color is is very lacking, and that that's like. A really good art style to look at right away like when you're looking at it you're like it's a very striking black and white heavy dark art style to go with the dark theme right and i, I and and that all makes sense you're the theme is is that you are like death is a, you're the grim reaper and that death is a very bureaucratic process and that the people that that are working for you are out of line and you are like killing the you're reaping the lost souls of hell and you are beating up the bosses are like a lot of times like people who are working for you who are uh have gone rogue um so you're like kicking them back into to line to, to do their job again um and uh the, the the that dark that really dark black and white art style i think obviously fits that theme incredibly well but when it's a roguelike you're you're playing that same area over and over again and i think it gets a little it wears a little bit um so does this game have a the sort of thing where you can go to different area like you could choose a different three um i think i think so you can choose immediately to fight the first boss so i think so so i think that will happen skip the first world or something yeah okay it's not really the same because usually in a lot of these games you are if you if you skip areas you are that's exactly what i think too is like is like you can skip to the first boss but that means that you missed out on getting new weapons or getting upgrades and stuff that's good that's good yeah so uh maybe i'll have more to say about it but overall a pretty okay game tunic is i mean the games like this one nice thing about them is they always get like two come into early access again on their yeah and i think i I think apparently they've made some really big strides because i remember this being a very mixed game when it first came out and people saying that like they finished it right away and that there was not enough build diversity or anything and i still feel like maybe it maybe either you know they're still working on that or or i haven't seen it in the game yet because i feel like the build diversity isn't really that that interesting but um uh we'll see um tunic came out in march 16th what a wild game yeah game pass game too a game pass game they say you could play it on game pass uh so this game is uh it it is so easy to describe games by just saying other the names of other it's a link to the past and fez if you put them together uh but it is it is right where it has this sort of um it it has these rules of the 
I, I think the biggest thing about this game, you, you get put into this world, or sort of on your quest, you're, you play as a little fox, and uh, you're trying to save the world, right? That's what all these games are about. But as you do it, you are assembling this guidebook, and the guidebook is instruction on how to play the game. And, and it's the thing that makes it interesting. It's telling you about these abilities that your character has all along, but you don't know them until you get the page in the guidebook unless you stumble across it or in some cases like uh, well also you i don't know if you mentioned it but the the it, the, the kind of weird unique and amazing uh uh concept here is that the guidebook is in an, in another fake language um yes. so this is kind of like if you were playing Zelda for the first time but you had a Japanese Zelda and you're a child or maybe or maybe you're you're young enough that you don't really understand how to read the book but you're looking at the pictures and you're looking at you know you're trying to intuit what is being said or you just see like a big you know glowing a button and you see a picture of the character rolling and you think like oh okay i you know that that must mean that a is roll even though there's a bunch of words here i'm not sure what the words mean um so that's kind of like the style is that is that you're kind of trying to it kind of feels like you're playing a game as a child that is playing like a japanese game or something and you're trying to intuit what the guidebook is actually telling you um it it's really really incredible idea it's like amazing how often like you said that that there are there are aspects of there, there are abilities or things that you can do that are in the game that like you might not realize like holding a button down for long enough causes something to happen and uh that that like the the pages kind of point you towards that and you realize like oh i could have do this the entire time like i would have done that before um and it's really interesting um that this game should be better though uh i think one of the big things i remember part of it is so good that part of it is so good and And like the art is great i wanted a game that was more about the things we just said and less about the things that i might just say in the future because uh number one like there's some really weird difficulty things like spikes this game is hard it, but but hard for no reason. But also very simple. You don't have a lot of options, but it's very hard. I remember I remember very Do you remember this cuz I we talked about this on the podcast. There's this one part where you're playing through this like very like electrical like area with this like ocean of electricity around you and you kind of go to this like metal island thing and all these enemies start attacking you on the island. There's two like kind of major bo- like mini bosses on it. And then meanwhile, when you go too close to the water, these like spark monsters come out and they make like a tr- a, pa- a, a, tr- a path behind them that you that like damages you if you stand on it. And the bosses are kind of like moving around. Like the mini bosses are kind of moving around. And I remember talking to you about this. Like it it felt like this insane difficulty spike that you just had to keep refight replaying this fight over and over and over again till you just randomly got it right because it was such a mess of like you have two bosses that are doing their thing too many bosses that are doing their thing while there's like you're on this little island and the enemies are walking around and like causing like problems for it and it's like well then how do you like there's nothing to do and i think you can't even like hurt the enemies or something like it was just it was like there there's a lot of moments like that where it's midway through this game i there's a mode there's an accessibility option of just like i can't and i just turn that on yeah, because I was like, I want to see this game, but I don't want to. Like, like, I'm not getting in. Yeah, and if you do, like, 
great that it's there for you. You you play it that way. I, I played it my way, which I, uh, I I forget where it was. I think that it was at the boss of the quarry, which is like the very purpley radiation. The boss of that area. I'm good. And I, I, is that the one that's kind of like you? It's like a rat monster that has like a sword and it kind of dumps around really quickly. It's like you, yeah. Um, the boss so, of sca- the scavenger. Yeah. Um, I think that I, I kind of fell off this game when there's a part where uh, something is kind of a big reveal to you and you get like knocked out of your body and your soul and... Oh, okay. So you got like halfway through. Really? That's it? Like it, it felt like it was longer than that. I mean, I, like you, I became like a soul and... Yeah, you uh, got to go through the whole dark world. It, it was not... The dark world was not fun. Um, the, one of the initial things that happens is you're fighting these enemies that you can't see. And you also have, like, all your abilities taken away and three three hearts. And I just hate when shit like that happens. Like, this game this game doesn't know where to find the fun half the time. Like, it doesn't realize that things... Developers need to play their own games. I feel like this game was a small See, game. Yeah, that's an issue, I think, is that developers are too good at their own... Did we, we had this conversation, I think, literally about Tunic. And that is that either this developer was, like... The developer working on this was, like, too good at his own game, so he's like, oh, I had no problems with this because I've I've been playing this game for four years because that's what I do. I play test my game. Or he didn't have a lot of people play testing it to say, like, hey, this part isn't fun. Like, you don't realize, like, you can't just throw tons of enemies uh, at, at us in this room and, like, it doesn't, it becomes, like, a mess. Like, it's not enjoyable. And so they, there's just kind of stuff like that in this game. And then I know that at the end of the game, it becomes um, much more Fez-like of like, you have to re- I think I actually got out of the dark world and then you have to go like, go find cert- a certain thing over and over again. Like it's a certain place yeah, where there, you, you had to go. All these like fairies you have to collect and there's, there's a lot of secrets and weird stuff. And that's the part of the game that I liked. And it's why I just went into accessibility mode, made it easy so that I could just go through and, and see the rest of the I, I kind of want uh, the the surface level of this game a little bit more. Like, I kind of want a straight-up Zelda where you're dungeon crawling and getting items, and then you also have the, this whole kind of complicated um, page and um, alternate language mechanic kind of thing going on. I think that it, at a base level, I would have liked that more than adding on the, the Fez stuff a little bit. I think I could have appreciated that a little bit more than, than what I ended up being, but, you know... That's what it ended up being. Do you have anything else to say about Tunic? No, I think it's worth checking out. It's it is definitely worth game. checking out. Some, I think that there's a lot of people who are gonna, who would, who would, if if you, if you, for people who like Zelda or like this, this, what we're saying, I think that there's a lot of people who would either overall like the game a lot or have a lot of fun with the game and then fall off, and then there would be some people that will like love the game. Yeah. So. And if you think you're falling off or you struggle with something, honestly, just turn on the accessibility mode. Cruise through the game, see the story. I think there are different settings. You choose, like, infinite magic, and that also. Turn on infinite magic. That makes um, I played Anno Mutationum, which I guess is how you say that. I don't know how you would say that. I don't know. Um, it is my word. A, it is a cool, um, cheaper kind of style indie game where... Uh, the, it is really, it's got a really striking art style, this 2D, 3D um, art style where the world is 3D rendered um, and the characters and like enemies and everything are all uh, uh, 2D, are all like flat uh, sprites. And it's really cool looking. It has a really nice style. It's really worth checking out for that reason too. And, and this game has nothing to do with the Anno series of I don't think so. I think we talked about this too, and I don't think it yeah, has any. Yeah, but but it's. I think it's worth mentioning because there is an entire like city builder simulation 
uh, series of games published by UB, like Anno 20, 2205. And this is not that. Anno is uh, an anime and she runs through a cyberpunk. Yes, it is a cyberpunk city. It's got a good art style. Um, it, it, it is it is really worth checking out for a lot of reasons. It, it is really fun. The combat is fantastic. It feels really good. Um, really good, like, uh, weapons and... Uh, a great like role. Did you play this on the deck? I played this on the deck, and it was a great experience. We're, and we're gonna on... have to talk about the deck later. Yeah, this was this is a great Steam Deck game. Like runs perfectly. Obviously, I would play. I think that I couldn't imagine playing this with a uh, mouse and keyboard. Like this is obviously a controller game, so Steam Deck works perfect for it. It's not like too graphically intensive, so it's never you're never gonna have to like turn down the settings or whatever. It looks fantastic. Really recommend playing this on steam deck if you have steam deck it, it is uh it, it's a good experience it, 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 it the combat of it it's like it's uh, outside of combat it's pretty rpg-ish um and then in Ooh. combat it's a little bit more uh, like a 2d dark souls i mean a 2d um uh, uh devil may cry because it, there is a lot of like air juggling and air combos for example like there there is like most of the heavy weapons that you can use in the game will like knock enemies up you have a you always have access to a quick weapon a heavy weapon and a gun um and uh there's there's a good um, uh, uh, roster of weapons uh like there's a, a rocket launcher like a shotgun kind of thing like uh pistols um uh quick like uh, there's there's a darth maul dual sword that you can break apart to be twin swords and stuff um so th think of it like like uh i i feel like devil may cry is maybe the, a, a closer approximation to 2d devil may cry where you are like attacking comboing enemies knocking them up shooting them uh jumping in the air like you know slashing downwards and bringing them to the ground like it combat feels very good in this game um and nice. Uh, and overall, uh, a, a, a really cool game and a really interesting story of, like, trying to find uh, your friend, like, kind of goes missing. And also, the the main character it, it seems to be a part of some, uh, has, like, you know, abilities, is some, like, has, is kind of, like, almost demonic, has, like, a, a Dante demon mode kind of thing. And uh, it was a part of some, maybe some experiment gone awry. Um uh, March 17th, P4 Arena Ultimax released for PC with um, rollback, right? It did have roll, uh, which made it pretty exciting. So I, I think that whereas I, we talked about King of the I felt like there are no where everyone feels like they... I think Persona 4 Arena Ultimax the exact opposite of that, where every character has their own unique meter. They're kind of playing their own sort of game. This is like very deep in the where there's a character that like throughout the fight they cast this ability and they level up when they do it, or this character has access to this uh, move and every time you cast the move it gets like stronger and this character has a limited amount of ammo and, and all of that stuff. Uh, that that's always the kind of stuff that I'm looking for in fighting games. I like the feeling of I could change characters and it feels like I'm doing something. And I feel like that's different from the flip side of that is that fighting these really highly specialized characters uh can be challenging because it you know kind of feels like you have to relearn the game fighting a character that you haven't fought before but the alternative side of that is oh someone is trying out a new i get to experience uh this game from a different angle. stuff is mm -hmm. uh it's a it's a good looking game uh for what it is i mean it's an older game 
but it does have like the aesthetic of Persona 4 and 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 this is between Persona 4 and 5 and you uh some of the UI elements of 5 uh started here before arena if if you like anime fighters i i would recommend i i think that it's worth checking out it has its own unique story also if that's your if that's your thing uh there's a Persona 4 story and it's not a retail it's a different version of the Norco released on March 24th yeah have you seen this one have you heard of this one I don't think I've seen this one or heard of this one what about uh Kentucky Route Zero no I'm aware of it and I think I played a little bit of it but I it's not yeah I don't really know yeah so Norco uh it's on Game Pass uh it also has a demo that and that's available so it is a point in uh where you are going through sort of like dystopian sort of like almost like pre-apocalyptic version surreal south and it is sort of this mystery game uh where you are trying to find your lost sibling and and that is the whole game you have like a you have like a robot companion and the whole story is is really about like you know capitalism the effects of technology and you know the way in which it's like sort of like warped the landscape warped the way that we think about different spaces and it's worth checking out and click adventure and I think that for a lot of people, this was uh, their game of the year. A lot of this one, a lot of indie game of the years. It, it's it's big, worth checking out if you're just looking for a good story. And it's got a it's got a vibe to it. It has like this. I, I think you you would you know the vibe is to see it, where it has this very like um, dreary sort of rainy day vibe. Uh, where I think that and it's winter right now. I, I think that this is like a really good winter where you know you wake up on one morning snowing. And you grab a cup of coffee and you bundle up and you play Norco. And I think that that's a, that's a great vibe for them. Hell yeah. March 25th, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Um, I'm usually not a big fan Kirby. of... Kirby. Kirby. That's you. That's me. Here's me in the Forgotten Land, America. Um, uh, it, Kirby and the Forgotten Land is... I think it's my favorite Kirby game I've ever played. Out of uh, how many? Um, maybe like a handful of them. Like I, I played a couple... Of like the GBA ones, like Dreamland. Um, uh, so what's the deal with Kirby? I feel like a lot of people saw this. Uh, they saw trailers and they thought they were getting uh, Kirby of the Wild. People saw this and for whatever reason, like this is an open world Kirby game. We're gonna play open world Kirby just like Breath of the. Wild. I don't know if that. I, I don't know if that was what the trailers were trying to get because because the trailers I think do show it that it is. Doesn't matter what the trailers thought they were. That that was the Discord. You think so? Right? Okay, so it's not that. It is a. It is a um, level-based game. Um, you are going through a uh, generally narrow level. Um, there's collectible stuff on the way. Um, and it is Kirby. You are eating a minion to get fire breath. Like a yellow minion? Like, what do you mean? Like you're eating just minions. Maybe there's a fiery... And then you make, fi- like, and then you make like jokes like, whoopa! And he, well, he does that. He definitely does. He, and then he eats. He, he learned he, that from the minions. And then the Kirby, he, Kirby eat a refrigerator. He become Ooh. refrigerator at some point. And then is he like, chill he, out. He eat the refrigerator and he shoot, he shoot like, oh no, maybe he, he eats a, um, a vending machine and he waddles around with a big vending machine and he machine guns Coke cans out of it. So what was the best? Tra- uh, there was, was a bunch of cool one? transformations. The, the, so one of the things that I liked a lot about this game is that I, I want there to be like some form of progression. I like I don't always love. Uh, I think I've, I, I, I think just my my dumb brain has like my lizard. Uh, nobody saves the world brain wants there to be some form of progression. So just literally 
um, you know, continually playing the game, at, like a Mario game where uh, you're just you just keep playing and you're trying to collect things, but like at the end for for what? Like, what is the thing that you're collecting things for? Um, it, it doesn't quite do it for me. But in this game, um, you can upgrade all of the Kirby hats multiple times to be different things to become more powerful. Kirby so, like, hats. so, so is this like a because I, originally when I you know saw Super Mario Odyssey, I thought, okay, the hat mechanic looks. Yeah, so when so you say hats here. That has me like, oh, there's hats. Yeah, there's hats. Like, I mean, well, it's well, it's Kirby. So like, he 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 suck up a thing. He get a hat, and the hat do a thing, right? Like he he like he he sucks. Like there'll be like to use the fire breath thing. There'll be a little waddling fireman, and then you suck up the fireman, and then now the fireman is dead. That's but, not what a fireman does. But you ate him. No, this is a fireman, not a fireman. Okay. The, see, fire. See, there's fireman that put out the fire, and this is fireman that make of the fire. So Kirby okay. eat and the fireman. Kirby, they 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 hate each other. I mean, in real life, they are like the greatest enemies. Obviously, um, is the, there an elemental sister ability? And I, um, not not. I don't feel like it's so much like that as much. Like maybe there's like bosses that, that like. I Can think you for the kill most God in this game. I think you do. So, I think cool. you do kind of kill God in a way. Um. Uh, that's that's the hallmark of a good game is killing. I know God. he's like Kirby the God Slayer. Well, he's I he is I I remember lore wise that Kirby is like isn't he sort of he's he's like the being that was created after the start of the universe and that's why he has like endless hunger. Or something he's kind of Galactus I think right mm -hmm. isn't he like a infinitely hungry cool. monster? That sounds good. Yeah. So he, he uh, yeah, you, you you get to upgrade the, the, the abilities. So I think it's like, for example, you you start off with, uh, you know, just like the fire breath and then it goes to like a bit like a flamethrower breath and then it goes to like a dragon breath and like the abilities get cooler and have more wild uh, things when you upgrade them. And like that stuff feels really great. This is so what's this... the best one. What's the best? Up? Huh? I don't remember. So I remember there was like. There's one where you like shoot out buzz saws and that's pretty fun. You'd be a and car, right? Well, the, car. those you don't upgrade. The the um because there's the there's like the I forgot the name of them, but it's like the so there's like combat. Oh, so there's like your TMs and sure. There's like they're called mouthfuls. So like they're Ooh. they're yes. So like you the vending machine. You eat the vending machine or the eat the car, and you don't upgrade those. Those aren't hats. You Those can are still, one and done. You can still have the hat on. Like you could still be you could be driving around in a car with a flamethrower hat. Um. Which is fun because that's the the, the anti fireman's uh, uh, car. Um, so, so uh, the upgrading stuff feel good. This is this is a Kirby in a post apocalyptic world. The the game looks amazing. The soundtrack is incredible. Actually, like I I've heard I've I've watched YouTube videos uh, where where um, uh, people use the, the 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 soundtrack from this game. It's so like immediately catchy. There's so many good songs, so like the game just looks great, feels great. I think it's one of the better games of this year. It's like a really good game. Best Switch game of the year. One of the best Switch games of the year. Tell me about Tiny um, Tina's Wonderland. Yeah, so this is the uh, the next Borderland. Uh, this is the D and D well, one, right? This is all the way leaning, in, uh, and a lot of things are different about this game. Uh, this game, unlike all of the other games, this game has a T rating. Uh, compared to all of the other Borderlands. And I think that that actually is doing a lot of favor uh, because Borderlands historically has had terrible, terrible humor. Like, like really bad. Like, it's not funny at all. Like, it thinks, it, it thinks it's funny. And I don't, 
I, I feel like I personally have spoken to more people who dislike Borderlands. And you can find this, uh, read any review of Borderlands, and everyone will be like, this is a good game, and they're actively making this game worse every time it can. Because for what it's worth, Borderlands 3 has some of the best class building, of the best guns, uh, the builds are insane, the weapons feel amazing, the traversal is fast, snappy, the world is beautiful, and every time a character opens their fucking mouth, and it's incredibly disappointing, because Borderlands 3, specifically, is fantastic. It is best in class, uh, in terms of gunplay, in terms of art, but just every time a character opens. Uh, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, it does it a bit better. Uh, because the character, because the uh, game has its T rating. There are less dumb jokes. That my name is Shooty McShootface, and I want you to shoot me in the face and kill me and blow my head up. Or I just can't Fart stop unicorn. shitting. I just can't stop shitting my pants. Oh my god, I'm gonna kill every like. Although like, they really tone that down. Uh, instead, you trade that for t- constant. Uh, this game has a lot of uh, really famous voice actors, though. Like, isn't Will Arnett in this? Will Arnett uh, plays the big bad guy in this game. Wanda Sykes in this game. Like, it is full... Oh, Andy Samberg is in this game. So, it is full of voices of people that you actually do want to hear. And it is actually... I, I would say that this is the, the funnest that a Borderlands game has been. Like, the most enjoyable it has been to listen to. I, I do still think that uh, that that is what it is. Like, if you if you could... And it still sucks to say... If you could put up with this character being in your ear, it's actually a pretty great game. I'll talk about that. I, I might mention that again later about High on Life, which actually uh, does the voice in your ear a little bit better. Um, so the thing that distinguishes this from a Borderlands game, so a couple of things. So the idea of this is that you are playing a D&D campaign inside Borderlands, uh, and, and they lean into that aesthetic. And this game actually has some of the best spectacle moments up there with Elden Ring of the Year, where they do like these really incredible uh, set piece moments of like you are playing D, and there are these like massive dice uh, rolling around around you. There are moments where like Tiny Tina is like you are walking through amazing, and someone's like, "All right, well, I thought that you said the Dragon Lord is invading." And okay, whatever, the Dragon Lord is invading, and suddenly like the sky changes colors, like all of the buildings like collapse into the ground, these burning villages, which is all just to say that they do a really good job with the set dressing. Uh, also, this game is less drab than most Borderlands games where they're like, you're walking through this desert and Borderlands 3 also sort of fixes that, but it, it, it is also again starts in a drab desert. It leads you to these more tropical areas where you're visiting these different... But, but the other way that this game is different is that you picking multiple classes. You are picking uh, between classes like Sorcerer and Rogue and Berserker, and you are uh, doing a subclass, multi-class situation. Uh, you take two ta- talent traits that you want to build. So you could be, you take like the, the sorcerer class and the rogue class and you combine them together. And now you're a specter class uh, with access and you're mixing and matching uh, to, all, you know, create your own build out of uh, the grenades are replaced with uh, magical spells. Uh, so instead of just throwing a grenade, you're throwing out like a fireball or you're summoning uh, a, a skeleton minion, these other sort of things. Uh <clears throat> And I think that they stick the landing. I, I think that they do. It's actually thirty a thirty dollar a thirty dollar game now. Oh, originally 
This is a $60 game. Uh, I think that this is a good $40, and it's definitely a good $30 uh, for for the value that it's bringing to the table. It's a smaller scale than than a, a mainline Borderlands. Probably like I would say this game is probably about like 60, 70 percent the size of a regular border. Uh, and you know, it's packed with DLC. It's got it's got its end. It, it has cool classes. It has cool unique weapons. Um, I, I kind of wanted to play this game because some so much of the promise of it sounds really good, and I do like the Borderlands style. Um, I could imagine. I wonder if there's going to be any DLC, or if you know if there's any DLC. If there's, there's been any... a ton of DLC. Okay, so maybe it'll be like a good time to come back to this. Like it, it, it does seem like a really cool game. Maybe if they do like a game of the year. I don't know. Right now, it looks like they've got uh, chaotic great uh, for forty dollars in all of its. It looks like the game has. It looks like they have like five or six. One of them is a season pack, so five pieces, and one of them is an armor pack, so four pass, four piece deal. They got horse armor in this jam. Uh, they do. Yeah, it's called the Golden Hero Armor. That is effective. Wow, it's a cool game. That is a. That it sounds like a really cool game. I'm glad that that, that like, and it's funny that that the the T rating helps the game along of having to. It, it is really interesting that that if you're uh if you have the the M rating, then you can make humor just like, oh fuck shit. I'm Mr. Shitface. Fuck me I'm in the doo-doo, gun. Doodle and, brown pan. Yeah, and then and then having to do having to write humor for T is like okay. So now you can't just rely on on curse words and shock humor. Like now you have to actually write a joke. And yeah, that, and and they also make jokes about it being a team of the end of them like having to do things. That- hell yeah, it's weird because since getting like the new mic and everything, I think. Usually I turn, I, I, on the old mic, I had to turn myself way, way down. And then on the new mic, I actually like have to turn myself way up. It just, that the old mic had like zero control of magic Mike. Magic right? Michael. And speaking of magic Michael, Death Stranding came out March 30th. Magic Michael is one of the many characters. Magic Michael, ma- magic Michael Mads Mickelson. I'm magical Michael on account of I can control the magic in the air. Well, there's well, you know, there's there's Magic Michael and there's Michael Magic, and that gets confusing, right? Death Stranding is some people's favorite game. Yeah, and I I actually don't I actually don't disagree with that. Like, I can understand that it could be someone's favorite game, and but those people aren't on this podcast. They're not on this podcast. It's a really frustrating game, and that there's a director. The director's cut came out, and I think there's some more content, but um, uh, that that is a really interesting and really frustrating game i wish that i did play it till completion but like if you fall off it you fall off it and there's like reasons why like it's a very it's a it is a purposefully tedious game um there's a lot of times where you would just want to quit because like the game is like creating constantly loves to create situations where you're 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 a, you're a mailman in the post-apocalyptic reality and you're running and then postal apocalyptic postal apocalyptic and then you know I just came up with that. Shadow good, slime right? appears on the ground, and then it trips you, and then all the boxes fall, and then monsters grab you and take all the boxes, and then you have to go redo what you did for the last 30 minutes. And that is something that people with jobs sometimes don't have time for. Yeah. Do we know what the director's cut actually No, and the fact that we don't I, makes me feel like we should move on to the Crystal Project. Okay, so did you do you know anything about this game? I don't. Have you seen this one? Have you it makes me one? think of Crystal, the Marvel character, but continue. Uh, so Crystal Project, it's a game on Steam. It's a JRPG, uh, class-based JRPG, where you're constantly unlocking new classes uh, by finding the class badge or the stones around the world. But it's also 
uh, an open world game. So it, it's got this cool looking like voxel style to, uh, and you're traversing the open world with your party. You're figuring out like, where can I go that my party's in? Uh, and then you're, you're looking for those, those classes. You're going down uh, per tree skill classes. It's pretty, it's a pretty neat game. And it's uh, exactly what I described it as. So there you go. Dozens, dozens of classes. Uh, dozens sort of, of like a metro, metro, Metroidvania style progression. I, I will say that the um, getting around the open worlds, it's it's a platform, and that that's sort of for better or worse. Sometimes it can uh, to fall off something in a game that platforming is not the main hook of the game. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Whenever games try and do an, an alternate gameplay mode if they don't nail it then it's really frustrating if it's like you know this is a shooter and then they're doing platforming and they didn't do a good job but they're making it tight and like you have to progress like that that's yeah but it's a solid it's a solid jrpg obviously this is a this is a good steam deck game because it's also one of those games and i feel like this is true for a lot of games where you could like open it up do a couple of battles with your day i one thing that I'm realizing is that there's um, there, there's sort of like two types of JRPG popular. Uh, and, and actually, there's like a million types. But but two JRPG types, which I feel like are pretty distinct, and, and we're going to have a chance to talk about this more on Chained Echoes, is there's the games where you heal between every fight, and then there's the games where you're seen to damage. So the, the reason why I think this is important is because I feel like in games where your sustained damage carries over and you use healing items, I feel like those fights are usually a little snappier, where the the experience of the monsters is also about like a... Re uh, and I feel like games where you're, you don't heal after every battle, uh, the fights are usually a little bit more rebral, but they're also time... But, but they be, because the developers are aware that every time you get into a fight, you sort of have the full gamut of... You have access to all of your health, and because of that, they feel more comfortable uh, subjecting you to uh, more complicated individual fights. Do you know what I mean? Am I? Yeah, crazy? that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. Uh, like, I, and I feel like I, I like that balance, the the latter balancing a little bit more. Like, sure. you, like here's all of your, you have everything, you have full health, and let's make it a puzzle. Um, it, it, it is, I think JRPGs are so weird because it's a genre that I really like, but I think it's so hard to nail at this point because possibly because, you know, it's older than dirt. Like it's like so old that yeah. getting that right is difficult and making battles feel like a puzzle is really a huge challenge, I think. Well, well, we're going to talk about two of them. So the first one is Crystal Project and later we're going to get to Chained Echoes. Uh, which sort of, I, I think it might be the underdog of the year. I think it might be Chained uh, Echoes. Uh, Chained Echoes might wow. be. I really wanted to check Chained this out because it looks so good. Might be and yeah. one of the best to release this year. Wow. Right. Is uh, before we talk you about know it that, has a is, 92 on Metacritic, right? Is Chained Echoes a um, similar to um, uh, uh, Chrono Trigger? Uh, we'll talk about it. All right. We'll talk about it. It's coming up. Everyone's everyone's got their appetite whetted by by the crystal. Exciting. I ask. I ask questions totally, like it, this. It's, it's it's a great. It's a great. Uh, it's a great. Um, crystal project is. You know, they're both. These are both great. Uh, Midnight Ghost Hunt. I Ooh. put this on here. So this is a fun little. This is a fun little game. Uh, have you seen this one? Have you heard of this I, one? I, if I remember lot. correctly, from when you talked about it, it's kind of in the style of. Uh, what is it? uh phantasmagoria and it's not phantasmagoria no it's not phasmophobia you might be thinking of another game this is a prop hunting 
Oh, yeah. Are you familiar with prop hunting? Sure. Uh, yeah, this is a, you know, that's sort of something that became popularized as like a modded Team Fortress style where there's a team of people who uh, are playing objects in a map, and then there's another team that is trying to hunt down the objects. It's sort of like a hide and seek. And Midnight Ghost Hunt is one of those are playing either on a team of investigators or you're playing on of ghosts. Uh, and the ghosts are trying to hide from the detectives uh, by inhabiting different objects in the field. And also the ghosts have um, uh, like class abilities, perks that they can equip, as do the investigators who have access to uh, multiple weapons. And sort of the hook here is that it's, it's called Midnight Ghost Hunt because once the clock strikes midnight, which I think is five minutes into uh, the tables turn and oh, the ghosts the become become very powerful. And then they get to hunt down the investigators and the investigators have to try to hide and extract. Uh, so it's sort of got like this Pac-Man vibe. To it, yeah, that's where, pretty cool. You know, the, the, the Pac-Man is running and running and then it gets the pellet at midnight. It's chasing down, uh, but reverse, you know, the ghosts are on the hunt. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty neat idea for a game. I, I I played. I didn't play too much of it. I played like maybe three hours of it. But it's also an early access, so I feel like this and that might get like an extra an extra shot at life once it pieces out of early access. But it's also like a pretty good looking game. Like it's got like a good aesthetic to it. It's got it's got like some nice lighting technology. And when when you're like sucking up the ghosts with your like electric value like like vacuum or whatever. Like the the lighting looks good, um. So I, I'm pretty I'm pretty impressed, but I think that it's got a shot. You know, the best ghost Ghostbusters game of 2022. Ooh, I don't know. You don't even know about it. Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe came out April 27th. What a great game! Uh, it's ultimately a sequel to uh, which is which is weird because I, I guess uh, at some point maybe they thought that they were. Cre- creating like a enhanced edition or an HD edition. Maybe we could add a little bit more to this. And they kept adding more and more. And they just, uh, it felt like years that they were just talking about, about this game. Yeah. And it's not like a recent, it's not, it's weird. Cause it's not like Stanley Parable came out in 2021. No, Stanley Parable must be 10 years old at this point. Right. Let me, October 17th, 20th. Yeah, so just about, just about 10. Dang. And then Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe releases. And uh, spoilers for those who haven't played the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. Uh, there's a sequel where you get to a point where it says Stanley Parable 2 when you open it. Uh, but but the jokes are good. I mean, Stanley Parable, for those who aren't aware of it, uh, it's an adventure game where as you're moving this office building, uh, there's a narrator who's talking about you know, when Stanley came to two open doors, he just the door on the left. You can go into the right door and then the narrator will sort of like correct and make commentary on. And, you know, Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe dials it up. It, it, ha- it has a lot to say about game development, about uh, the ways the games are delayed, the way that uh, sequels iterate on games. It's very neat. It goes to some very weird and funny. I, I, I think that they stuck the land. I think they did it. Sure. I feel like they they, they stuck the landing because you're even talking about it. I feel like if Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe came out and it was nothing impressive, then people would just be like, yeah, they kind of just re-released Stanley Parable, but we're not talking about it. But it actually did get a lot of hype again. Yeah, got some buzz. Got some buzzeroo. 
I, I feel like people know if it's a, for them, you know, it's like a, a 25, $25 game. If you never played Stanley Parable, they sort of do start you at the beginning. And at the start of the game, the first thing that they ask you, did you play the original Stanley? You could say yes or no. And the, the game sort of adjusts. Because if you haven't played the original, then they're going to start you out with, some, you know, the Stanley Parable is actually a game that has like progression to it in a way, even though it's like mostly multiple forking paths. It does um remember things that you've done. So that that caveat matters uh, for twenty five dollars. It's an easier sell if you've never played the original. But but I think that if you love the original, you know, whether the hell yeah, April 28th, Rogue Legacy 2 came out. I played this and I, I, I didn't really like love the first Rogue Legacy, but Rogue Legacy 2, I feel like I, I really never got the hang of it. Um, this game is hard, actually. It's, it's like if, if, if people want to if, like, I feel like I rarely have a get good moment where I just like suck at something. And this I must have played it for like a couple, like five, six hours. And I feel like a lot of runs ended in the single digit amount of rooms. Like I was just mm. like, like I would just go into a room and there's like, there's no, like, like shit is flying at you all over the place. And there's no, like, there's like a parry, right. Or something like that. But there's no, depending on your class, but depending on your class, you might have a defensive option or you might not. And I feel like I was just getting like obliterated pretty early. Like there were some runs where maybe I started doing, like like broke out and started going a little bit further but i didn't really feel like i was progressing but i think the thing that made the made it feel the worst was that i didn't feel like i was learning a lot or progressing in the 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 the, the playing of the game like this is a game where okay. like if if you play devil may cry you want to be racking up those big combos and and feeling uh that you're doing well and that you mm. know how to play the game and if you aren't playing it well, then the game it's isn't fun. Like if, if you aren't comboing and getting yeah, the, sure, the sure, high scores, sure. like the like you're just kind of like hitting things and they're hitting you, and you're just you're, you're if you're not like invested and you're not the the better you play it, the more fun you're having. And with Rogue Legacy, I just felt like maybe you didn't find the right class for you. Though. I mean, aren't you supposed to? That's not what the game is. The game is is you're switching yeah, yeah, classes yeah, constantly. The idea that that's like true, but there's a correct like class. Yeah, I feel like sometimes, though, you do now, like, this is the class that, like, I work well with. Out of curiosity, do you remember how many bosses? Probably zero. Uh, maybe one. Okay. I feel like I, pay, I probably beat one of them. I, yeah, I, I think so... I, I had a good amount of progression on the the um, town, and I had, like, ten or so classes. I had a ton of Valkyrie, wow. Archers. Because it looks like... like you have, like, 63 if you played it on Switch or something. Wow, I, I way I... overrated... That that goes to show the the feeling of the game that I have sixty. Uh, I played it on on only Steam Deck, so I okay. only have you know an hour in the game, and I just feel like I must yeah. have played it in like fifteen minute intervals, and I just did not enjoy it any time that I played it. Yeah, I have fourteen hours in it. I think that's a, I beat that's a way three, more. I think I beat uh, three bosses. I got pretty far up the. Ch I I think that it's actually like a pretty feeling, um, but ultimately, it, it it is very challenging and. I I don't think I'm bad. But do you feel like the game? Are, do you feel like Rogue I, Legacy Two is almost jumping in, feeling like the player has just finished Rogue Legacy and maybe. that they have the swing of things? They, they do have a lot of accessibility options, but sometimes that feels like giving up. But but I did consider, as I was doing so poorly in this, maybe putting on the setting that this uh, trap damage because I I do feel also that. Platforming is a part of it, but it's also like a part of it that joy. And there is just like 
a lot of getting knocked around and knocked into spikes like that that doesn't feel very good. Do you like Rogue Legacy 1 or Rogue Legacy 2? I prefer Rogue Legacy 2. Really? Um, I, I think that Rogue Legacy 2 is a better and more complete version in every way. I think that it has some really interesting classes. Eventually you will unlock the pirate who's really cool. I really love the chef who has like the, the frying pan mechanic is cool. The the class, I, I don't remember what class it is, but the, the class with the gun is very neat. And, uh, but, but I do feel like there's something that I have to be, I don't love it as much as I feel like other people love it. And I also don't really feel very often interesting runs, if you know what I mean. Sure. Where like, it's like, oh, I got this, I got this item with this and I felt like unbeatable. And that's usually what I'm looking for games. And I don't think Rogue Legacy uh, or Rogue Legacy 2 really, really have. I think that maybe that's also a big thing that makes me not like them as much because that is something that makes me, that's the carrot for me in a lot of roguelikes is trying yeah. to see if the next one will be better or, or will have a perfect situation. And if the game is just kind of more about getting better and I'm feeling this bad at it or I don't really the gameplay, then that's a hard sell. Oh, sure. Yeah. So that's that's our piece on Rogue Legacy. Uh, not the best roguelite of the year. Um, Dislight is the best roguelite of the year. Really? No. Um, okay, is, there, but it, is it a roguelite? There's a roguelite mode. Um, uh, every gotcha has a roguelite mode. They call it Labyrinth um, in gotchas. And like that is a really common thing. It was started by AFK Arena. And speaking of AFK Arena, uh, this is the AFK Arena p- making a, uh, trying their hand at a 2D or at a, a, at a 3D um, straight up turn-based gotcha versus their old, like the, the, the style that got them famous, the AFK um, 5v5 kind of game. Um, Dislight is a really cool aesthetic, really great soundtrack. Um, it's a like a, a portrait style, a portrait held like uh, gotcha game. Uh, just like I said, turn-based RPG. Um, it, uh, it is a cyberpunk take on gods and goddesses. So you okay. have that, you know, like every character. The the idea, I, the, the the story conceit is that um, uh, humans are being imbued with the power of gods so you have you know a character whose name is like dave but they've got the power of artemis dave um, god and, you know and that dave it, it dave is is got a bow now um this this game i i really liked it a lot and i did spend a lot of time playing it and uh i i've heard worse things now but i'm not sure i kind of fell off so i like i don't know exactly what's going on um uh, there, there is some like minor. There was definitely some problems even when I was playing it. But as far as uh, gotchas go, there was there was a lot of promise, especially early on. I, which is the case with gotchas. Usually, like they they look really good up up front sometimes, and then they get grimy. So, so they're com- maintaining two games though, right? So with this light and they're maintaining AFK Arena. They are. Um, so uh, the the couple of things other than other than a really really good aesthetic, and that is so important in gotchas. Mm, that is so sure. so important. Um, yeah, I mean, you want that carrot on the stick, and if the carrot doesn't look good, if the carrot doesn't have a carrot. have a fat ass, right? Um, th- then then who needs it? But but uh, uh, the the thing that I would say that I really really liked about Dislight, which is um, the the one of my more dreams about about good good gotcha, and I think this is like nailed game RPG gameplay was that. The, to me, the, the the character abilities were very simplistic but very powerful. 
um, really cool like uh, abilities on the kits. So what I mean is like a you know okay. a character's yeah, yeah. ability might be you know gives uh, like buffs your team with immunity to poison, and then you you see a boss in the game that is constantly stacking poison, and you get this character and you think whoa like I am going to put this i'm gonna level this guy up i'm gonna outfit him i'm gonna you know put resources into them because i'm having trouble with this boss and this game is full of that is full of finding seeing a character that that gels with another character seeing a character that works extremely well for a a certain type of mode i think it, it, it the characters feel really strong in this game um, and I would also say that is this is a, another thing that I really love in gotchas where there's no throwaway really. There's no throw there there aren't really that many throwaway characters. Um, usually gotchas will have a a um, start a class you know rarity a, a starting rarity of like a blue yeah, rarity. Yeah. You know the there's rares uh, SRs super rares SSR. And, and usually does that does that correspond to a power level? It all it, it, it usually does. Like and that is that really bothers me because sure. it, 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 because especially for like at the, the stage of gotcha development that we are in now in this stage of capital in, in this stage of capitalism usually when a gotcha does that what's happening is that the like the R rated char- the R rank characters rated the R rated characters serve like zero purpose like they are literally dead space they are that you are like doing, you know, your your standard ten pull gotcha, and every R rated character is a complete swing and a miss. There's nothing that they're giving you. And in Dislight, I I would argue that like the rarity doesn't tie to usually the the uh, the way I think it should be done is that the rarity should more tie to the complexity or the 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 nicheness of the kit versus the the base abilities like the 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 r the r characters the, the more common characters in this game in dislight are you know they a lot of them are are really usable and have something where it's just like this is the character that hits really hard single target and that's what they do and that's that's mm. it and then the 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 ssr the more you know rare characters are the ones that are going to have more text in their kit and they're not going to be necessarily better but it might be that they have like more setup and they need they they're require more complicated. they're more complicated and they require a team built around them but oh, then so but then you're always going to have you're always going to have those characters that you, in your sure. team that are the lower rank character rarity characters that that are going to shine and that that is all good and like i said like awesome music awesome presentation all that was really good um but i did fall off of it uh, Spirit Hunters Infinite Horde came out the 25th. What's the deal? So originally when this game came, so this is a uh, Bullet Heaven. It's a uh, sur- vampire survival. It was a year of vampire survivor life. Oh yeah. And when this one came out, I was not impressed. Throughout the year, this game has gotten really interesting. So the, the main hook of this game is that there's this massive uh, challenge uh, and it looks like a sphere grid. And as you finish runs, you're leveling up this sphere grid and it, that's where you're getting new characters, new abilities, and you're also upgrading those abilities. So you really feel a very powerful like increase to your to your strength uh, as you progress through. The other thing that this has going for it is the characters all have different stats, and uh, but in a lot of games they have like a signature. Uh, that's not really how it works in this game. Instead, any character can start with any ability, but they modify their starting ability. And they, they modify it in a unique way. 
So there's like the character Magnus the Dark Man, and all of his uh, stuff is around HP recovery. So if he starts with like orbital fire or whatever, recovery for every orbital fire up with cleave, he gets kills with have a 2% chance to drop a heart. Then there's another character that instead of about HP recovery, they'll be about like XP gains and another character who will be about like knockback and, or AOE. So it's really interesting because every character interacts with every weapon in a unique way. And there's, I think right now, about 16 weapons or so. So the permutation, uh, it's, it's like a pretty impressive amount of stuff. The other thing that this game has added over over the year is a uh, special hero ability where you're charging a meter throughout combat and you can, at you know, uh, at a pivotal moment, like press your hero ability. Uh, it'll do like a, a big. Sp- so the character who interacts with like XP will take all of the XP orbs off of the ground and tr- a whirlwind of like shards that damage nearby enemies. She sucks them all in. So so pretty neat stuff. Um, I'm not really a fan of the way that this, uh, but they really have been doing a lot. So I think that it's like, I was going to say, this is the game that you were like, this is game is brutally ugly. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that it's not a very good looking, but, but I also think that, you know, they're, they've been updating it. Originally, this game didn't have animation on anything. So it looked like a bunch of paper cutouts walking around, uh, but they've been, they've been changing it. They've been adding animation, a a better game. Um, and, and you know, it's, it's one of these games that's like five bucks. So uh, in, in a sense, you're also getting what you pay for, but it, it's a good one of these. Um, and if you're looking for another one of these, this... Counterside came out uh, May 26th. This is another gotcha. What a good month wow. for gotchas here in May. Um, this was uh, a... I can't remember the name of the developer, but the developer actually self-published in America. It, it, it didn't <clears> seem... <throat> or or uh, globally, too. Um, and it didn't seem like this game was going to get a global release because it was out in beta for a really long time in SEA, I believe. Um, and uh, this was extremely, you know, hyped up. I, I feel like most um, gotchas actually are extremely hyped up in the gotcha community, and then they're very, very quickly discarded. Um, mm. This game is a, a better game than it has any right to be. Uh, it's also it's on phone and PC, um, so, so it's like not a bad place to check it out on PC. Um, it's, there's some really cool aspects of this game. So first of all, it, it's very different than normal gotchas in that, um, the team is like, it's a larger team. I want to say it's like a 12, uh, uh, character team and that you are kind of like gaining mana slowly to drop characters onto the field. And then it's the, the conceit is really interesting. It's not turn-based. Um, there is, like, you have a ship or a base on the left side of the screen, and the enemies, um, or either, like, the AI or a human opponent will have, and there's actually live PvP, will have um, a base on the other side, on the right side of the screen. And you are dropping characters into the field to slowly, you know, win the fight to move the battle towards their base and then to destroy their base. Um, so the game is, it, it has a kind of rock, paper, scissors of, like, there are snipers that beat the assault rifle users and assault rifle users beat shield users or something like that. So it, there's just there's just whole, like, rock, paper, scissors that you are actively throwing units as you're gaining this kind of like resource to, to be able to throw units. And it's really interesting because very powerful units obviously 
will require a lot of resource. So do you wait a little while and then maybe lose a lot of um, ground um, to the enemy and then throw out your powerful unit? Or do you keep like tossing out units to push towards their base and maybe make it so that they don't have a chance? Um, there's a lot of cool strategy in it. And um, the units are really cool. And the action is like, it, it's really cool, but it's also messy because there can be a lot of units uh, on the ground at once. It's a, it's a very, it is a very free-to-play game. Uh, I think that, like, the currency that they give, they give a lot of, and there was a pretty good pity, I think, overall. Um, uh, but I, I, this is another gotcha that I didn't stick with it. And, you know, I don't, it, it's not my job to stick with gotchas. Uh, but I, I think it was just that uh, one thing that, that kind of can kick me off a gotcha after a little while is... Either the daily grind is getting tedious, or I think one big thing too is that the story isn't really capturing me, and I think that the sure. story encounter side wasn't really capturing me. If there's there's no real, so you're, so you're off of it. So I'm off of it, but I but I think a lot of people would like it, and it's obviously free to play, and um, it's being handled very well, and I think that the community likes it a lot. Interestingly enough, it got it just got a um, ho- uh, Hollow Live um, collab. So like all the Hollow Live like Mori Calliope. A lot of people are talking about that in the yeah. reviews. Yeah, so it's got all the like Hollow Live like uh, Gargura and um, Mori Calliope all came to this game, which is like I think is awesome. And like I, you know, regardless of my, I actually don't like Hollow Live that much, but I feel like that is a really cool collab, and that those are like the the character art. And the character kits are very, very cool. Um, so I feel like a lot of people would really enjoy that game. Um, and it, it's free, and it's on PC. Uh, June, here's a game that came out this year for sure. Uh-oh. What is it? It's June 2nd. It's Diablo Immortal. That came out? Did you play it? I didn't play oh it. Oh, my God. I played maybe a, maybe 10 minutes of it, and I was like, this game makes my phone hot. And then I stopped. This game makes my phone hot. Um, it is a bad game. Um, it's a very bad game, and... It, it it really it really disappoints me that the game is this bad and it you know like Blizzard's most successful games of revenue yeah that's so disappointing like the, so man if if gamers themselves don't I I'm not spe- like you know I can't speak to any viewer particularly but the money thing you are paying you know you're voting with your money and um uh you guys voted wrong like on this one it's just it, it, it's so i didn't vote wrong yeah i didn't but i'm talking to our viewers i feel yeah. like a couple of like a handful of people voted, voted wrong. really voted wrong really wrong yeah i think that is probably the case um so diablo immortal is a diablo game on phone uh on uh, and probably pc too um yes the really you know there's so many things that, that are sad about this game first of all i really wanted this game to be this game I'm surprised this game wasn't just a straight win for for Blizzard. I would have thought that, given how controversial this game is, that you would do everything you can to at least launch it in a really good state and make it really good. Just make it a W. Just make it a just Come make on, it a guys. W. Like eat the like. I would almost say if they were gonna have this not have a high revenue, that it would be about eating the losses revenue wise to gain back some faith from the Blizzard uh, fans. And they did not do that. It, it's a bummer because I think the game they're, plays... They're banking on Diablo 4, right, at this point? Yeah. The game plays pretty well, but 
the there's so much mess that we that you know that we were taught that we talked about even at the time of the release there uh the, one of the i would say i would say like the big thing is that it's a diablo game where paying directly correlates to how strong you are mm. directly um and that is it, it, that is one of those things that i i, th- I they do obfuscate it they, they obfuscate, obfuscate it. it they obfuscate they it do. but the the obfuscation is like and there's people who wrote, you know, or people who had huge, you know, vlog pieces on this. And I, I remember it was something like a free to play player will get a gem that they can, like can get like a, basically similar to like a Path of Exile map can get a increased drop rate gem or something once a month. And someone who is paying for it all, all the time can just do it all the time. So like you are like you're not paying for you're not paying to get the better gear you are paying for a percentage chance drop rate so you and and you're getting a ton of it and then there yeah, was yeah. there was some like there's even grimier stuff where the free to play player like there's one slot or something to to put in that shows like you know increase the drop rate but but if or three slots or something like that but if you put in three then there's then this other menu pops up that's like you can put in um you know seven more to make it even better which is like the gotcha standard is the 10 yeah. pull so it was something where it was like almost looking like oh i'm not getting that much you know th- my my chances to win uh to, to get better loot aren't that much worse than someone who's paying and then you realize yeah. it's like almost 10 times worse because there's it's like slightly obfuscated and it's even it's like People people showed videos of this of of yeah like like imagine Diablo the I, the the end of story of this is like imagine Diablo where you do a map and at the end of the map uh, tons of loot is fall is flying out it's it's like tons of loot is dropping and that's there's there's all these crazy drops there's yellow drops there's there's an orange drop another orange drop like everything is flying out and it's tons and tons of loot and now imagine that if you didn't pay that at the end of the game at the end of a run you know one blue drop falls out and then imagine paying and you just sit there and it's a fountain again it's a diablo fountain so it's so it's so disgusting it's from a money like it's it was it's yeah. training you to not even want to play if you're not going to pay the money for it how's the gameplay the, that's sad because the gameplay well, right? is good it's it's it, it's as close to Di- blizzard even cre- even creepy new Blizzard still nails that that uh, they visceral can make a feel. Game. Yeah, I mean even Overwatch feels good to play. It's not the like that's not the issue, right? Oh, I think that's the issue. I actually don't like the feeling of. Oh, well, we'll talk about that soon. Speaking of Overwatch, twenty minutes till dawn came. Speaking of Overwatch, on the eighth of June. Be with us. You played this. Game. I played a lot of this game. This was actually my. Is it early access or is it like it is right? It's I think it might have had a full release by now. By June. no, it's still early access. It still is. Can you believe they're it? Still, it came still up to me. Pumping that Can you game believe up. it? They 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 just added a new character. So uh, uh, a couple weeks ago. So this was my um this was my first blush with the vampire survivors uh uh archetype genre genre. Yeah. But it's kind of interesting because twenty minutes till dawn is is a little bit more active. Than, mm. than vampire survivors you are you are shooting you are you have you, to pull the trigger you have to pull the trigger um uh you play as different characters that have uh different guns and uh that feels uh that makes the game feel uh very different and much a little bit more active a, a lot more a lot a bit more active um 
I really, really like this game. I really highly recommend it to people who like uh, uh, Vampire Survivor games um, because it, it just it does a really good job of of those builds and the synergy and stuff getting out of control. Um, uh, it's got a good aesthetic, but it, it can be kind of hard to read at times because it's like all black with white and then some red pop. Um, but, uh, the, you know, there's, there's not a lot to say on this other than it's one of those and it's, and it, the, the active element of it is really interesting. And it's a really good one of those. They're, these are always cheap. I want to say this is like five bucks or less. And, uh, if, if this is a genre you like, if this is like a, a good one to keep yeah. your eye out when my, I, when I my, first, my, my issue with this one specifically though, is I, it's very stylized. Cool. But I also find it to be a little hard to, yeah, that's what I spoke about when I was playing it. The, the example I gave is that there's one, um, ability you get where it's a dragon egg that, that, um, that circles you and shoots a fireball at the closest enemy. But the, the conceit of the dragon egg is that, it doesn't hatch for like five minutes, so it's mm. it's it's useless until it's hatched. So you basically just like wasted. It's 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 powerful, but it's useless for five minutes. So you wasted your time, especially if you end up dying. Like you're not you're not you're not helping you yourself. But the problem is that the dragon egg like rotates around you, and the game is so stylized and messy that there were times where, especially when enemies were really clumping up around me. As the dragon egg was rotating, an enemy could be like kind of under it, and mm. then you know I'm moving towards the dragon egg direction, and then the enemy is just there and it hits me, and it, it was like I didn't expect that, like I didn't see that. So like there's a lot of like visual visual clutter in this game, and like you said, because it's so stylized, it's, it can be it can get really hard to keep track of things in a way that I don't find as much during Vampire Survivors, which is weird because Vampire Survivors and a lot of games like this get intentionally messy but this game they is like big, even yeah. harder and, and and the reward is that you get to clear it out and make it nice and it's mm. like power washings speaking of power washings uh hold on neon let me white. think about where i'm going with it neon white came out this year also a very clean game you washing know. you know washing the car back to a neon sheen white there we go did you play white i didn't, I didn't play it friend and fan of the show uh natrix uh says that this is like his favorite game of all time or something I don't know if it's his favorite game of all time, but he I says that it's a lot. Definitely his his game of the year. Nice. Um, and I think that that's fair. So this game has two sides to it. The first side is it speed running platform, um, where you are killing, like you you essentially like have this deck of cards, and the cards represent of weapon, but each weapon also comes with a traversal. So you'll have a rocket launcher, uh, which you could use as a rocket launcher, but the secondary ability of it is to grappling. And as you kill enemies, uh, you're getting new ones. So the idea of it is that like you're using a pistol that uh, will give you a double jump and weigh your options of like, do I kill the enemy with this pistol to get the card that they're holding or do I use it as a double jump? And ultimately your goal is finish the, the mission as quickly as you can. And I'm talking like uh, you, you could get a mission down to like, you know, 12 seconds or five seconds find the correct route and and you're like you have the acumen of figuring it out and also execute you get these done very quickly and the the what you're unlocking on the side is you're you're doing all of these you're getting these medals and you're unlocking like secret mission upping your friendship level because the other side of this game is that it's a pretty corny uh visual novel uh with extremely anime uh 
but that that I'm sure some people will like, and and I'm sure some will dig the visual novel side of this. The, the voice acting is good. I would say the voice acting is totally serviceable if you care to deal with the poor JRPG. And and that's an opinion, right? Like some people are are gonna think that it's that it's well written. I'm not one of those people. I think that is doing a really terrific, near perfect job in this like speed running. I, I bet that this game was great at AGD. I didn't see the run, but I bet that it was an awesome AGD. But you know, the the other side of it kind of not really interested in the JRP, the, the visual novelty aspect. But if you loved like Mirror's Edge or if you love like um like a Super Meat Boy or you love uh, leaderboard chase and it's great. It, it's also one of those games where uh, you, when you play it, you see uh, the leaderboards. You see like, oh, my! I beat this level and I thought that I did a really good job, but someone on my Steam list did like five seconds better than me. I got to figure out how to go in later and you, you get a notification that so-and-so beat your run by three seconds. So you jump back in and you, you try to You don't see ghosts, do you? You do. You see your own ghost. Okay, so but, but you but wouldn't see like the tricks that people are using, right? I don't, you might be able to like go in, you might be able to turn on some, so you might be able to turn on like the world record host, but I'm not sure. Maybe they want to keep a secret, right? Secret, so I'm not really sure. Uh, but you definitely see your own ghost. Neat game. Good ideas. Another very game fun, with good ideas. Stylish. Oh, and, and I do want to say maybe one of the best sounds. I, I think you could argue that. That matters. Especially for a game like this where you're sitting in a level for a while, just like thinking through it. It matters to have. And, I, and it, I might be wrong here, but I think it actually has a unique... Speaking of great soundtracks, speaking of great ideas, with maybe not the best execution, DNF Duel came out uh, June 28th. Uh, this is... It's a small soundtrack. But a good one. It is good. I love it's Gatekeepers. Good it's, it's I think a very, it's a good game. It's a, I, I think it's a good game, especially when, you, like, regardless of anything that happens around it, um, it, it is, I think... I think a very good game at the end of the day and I had an awesome time with it. It's fine to have a fighting game that you play for a month or two. Um, I but... don't think that every fighting game has to exist forever. It has to live as a, you yeah, know? I think it is kind of, I mean, I think one of the bigger problems with this and, you know, we're dancing around the subject of DNF, which is that uh, DNF really didn't get, it was really radio silence by aiding after it came out. And that's not, I mean, it's it's not surprising because they they didn't give any indication that this would be a service. But I think there was an there's always an assumption that fighting games will be a service and that there'll be a uh, character. There will be a season pass. And weirdly enough, after months of complete radio mm -hmm. silence, there was a massive patch that changed over a hundred things that rebalanced the game. That also came at the same time that they t said that there is going to be, in fact, a Season pass, and the first character coming out is Spectre, who looks very cool. But it's just we it's just really weird. You know, how when yeah, was the last time I mean, that you had recently, like a fighting? Yeah, and they updated this game like a huge update, a massive update. Yeah, hundred uh, over a hundred changes. Um, but it's it's just really weird to have a situation where a fighting game comes out and then there's radio silence from you know, June 28th to it's December weird to say nothing, right? If they said like, we're, you know, like we're considering options, like we're, or, or even just like, we're gonna, we're going to seem like that would be with say so little. It's yeah. Very weird. It's, it's really bizarre yeah. to just not it have is. a thing. And, and the season pass element, you know, why was that not usually that is designed to come out the first day. Like th that is a thing that comes out right away. So 
not having a season pass, you know, and not and having radio silence made people rightly assume that this game was never getting balance changes. And it, it turned out that after a short time, it, it quickly seemed that this game was incredibly unbalanced, like very poorly balanced. And and that's not very surprising considering Aiding's past. I think that the Marvel games um, kind of they they did the same kind of thing. Marvel. Uh, Marvel 3 released at a time where there weren't really frequent balance patches or updates. It was still kind of nor the norm in fighting games to release a game and then a year later come out with a big, huge patch that, or a, a new game, uh, you know, uh, that, that has balance changes and new characters and new, you know, uh, stages and everything, but not to balance the game as you go or not to release characters in a season pass. So they kind of seemed like they were handling it the same way. I figured that we would get a DNF duel, ultimate DNF duel a year later that has, you know, five new characters and balance changes, but it looks like they will be going the season pass route. It's just weird that they announced it so late. Um, it's a very fun game to play, but it got less fun over time because as things get optimized, um, in the beginning, it felt like every, all the characters were, were crazy and the game was wild, but then the game slowly became about these very long block strings and guard breaking. Um, so the game was just about, I want to put the enemy in guard and then I'm going to keep attacking them until their guard breaks and then I'm going to do like a touch of death combo. And it, it was not, you know, that doesn't sound fun. That doesn't feel fun. If you didn't have the, um, the meter to be able to... Uh, uh, yeah, like guard break them off you. Yeah, whatever it is, like to to what's the what's the there's a, usually a terminology. Um, can't oh, think of I don't it. know. In um in Blaze Blue, they just go to counter assault. So yeah, that's what I, that's um, what I know it as. Uh, yeah, so so maybe this game will have more of a second life soon. Um, when when especially when DLC starts rolling out, and we'll see the pace of that, and if there's more changes. But uh, I don't want to dislike it. It's also amazing. I still I think it's probably one of great. the best looking um, fighting and the games. The characters are so fun to pilot. They are. The, the characters really have this. Um, I, I don't think that they have the full gamut of like character archetypes, which is always a, a big point. Of, uh, but I do think that the characters that they do have uh, feel really great to play. There's certainly characters in this game that you are not getting elsewhere. Just characters like Ranger, where his normals are projectile gunshots, just feel so different and unique. And incredible characters like I, I played a lot of Berserker and he has a stance that powers up all his abilities and changes his movement and speed and makes him like changes everything about his kit and it just it, and but he's losing health and it feels really interesting. Um, uh, Grappler has tons of different uh, throws and like wild mix-up options and st like all these characters feel really different and cool and uh, uh, Troubleshooter is is like got this massive shotgun and throws like an explosive net on the there's just the characters feel great like the characters feel great to pilot it's one of those fighting games where they really knocked it out of the park when you're the one doing the combos because you're like if you're winning this game feels awesome you feel great but losing usually means that you're watching really long combos you're or you're oh, sitting yeah. there blocking 
Yeah, there's not enough defensive options. Uh, it, it got a little bit better. Kind of, I, I still felt like it. It still doesn't. It's still more of an offensive-based game, but it did get a little bit better. One big thing that changed in the last update was that the there's a universal role in the game, but there was a yes. lot of there was like startup frames, and it's and it wasn't like invincible until I forget like three frames. So you could get attacked by like you could just be stuck in the corner getting you know media attacked over and over again, which is an attack that's timed right when you're waking up to make you block, and then you know once you're blocking this game you're usually you can be dead especially in the corner and they made the role completely invincible from the first frame so there's 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 some more defensive options there's also more health uh guard breaking is harder uh you know a, a lot of things were changed on the defensive op end but i feel like they should go a little bit further and i, I feel like the weird thing is they still haven't really changed the movement this game needs to be a little bit faster for as wild as it, uh, the characters' abilities are turned up, but then the movement is more of a Street Fighter movement, which is really weird. Um, uh, there's no like air blocking, and I think that's fine, and that could remain that way. But it, it's it's like Street Fighter walk speeds kind of, and like the run is really slow to start up, and the the jump is like I said, it's not a blockable jump. So like for as crazy and madcap as the character's abilities are and as as marvelly as the combos and juggling and stuff gets the actual moving is slow so the so the game is like has this it wants to be a footsies game but then the the but then and you have all these crazy long reaching nuts abilities but then you move really slow it just doesn't it's very off um mm. june 30th june 30th wow you went you you said that with like a like a sour feeling in june because 30th. because i want i want better for for dnf i i really like dnf i i want the best for it it's fine and maybe maybe uh, we do get some maybe, maybe there's more to come I mean, well, well there is there's literally more come but well, well i mean like maybe there's like a reimagined solve oh. some of the problems sure. I mean, we'll see sure or maybe there maybe there'll be a sequel who knows i i don't I mean, for me, the the best thing that could happen would be that they modernize Dungeon Fighter Online. Oh, I mean, is there, the, there's that like Project Barbecue that got changed to a different name, but um, it looks good. That's still yeah. slated, right? Yeah. Are those video games? <laughs> they are, but there's more to come. June 30th, Monster Hunter Rise. So this is, uh, for those in the know about Monster Hunter, this is the G-Rank, but for those you know about Monster you already know this. So this is a uh, end end game expansion added on to Monster Hunter Rise, uh, which means that in order to access this content, you played through the entirety of to get there. So the reason why this is a bit of a contentious situation is because when Monster Hunter Rise released, it only released on the Nintendo, which is it's fine. Like it works on the Switch, it's serviceable, but this is a better game on PC. Uh, it looks better. It plays better. Like it's got. Yeah, the textures were actually so updated silky. on PC. Huh? The textures were updated on PC. Oh yeah, it looks silky smooth. It looks great on. Uh, but if you started the game out on Switch, there's no way to get your save over. So I feel like a lot of people missed out on Sunbreak, and that's sad because uh, Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak is uh, the best of Monster. You know, it's 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 Monster Hunter. It is the most Monster Huntery Monster. Uh, People could argue that uh, Generations was a little bit better because it had a uh, such a full roster, but I, I would argue that Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak has the best endgame. Uh, it's got the it's the most soloable Monster Hunter also uh, because they introduce followers. There's this follower system uh, where you could get if you want to do really challenging, you're playing alone. 
you could enlist NPCs and the NPCs, uh, they, you get more of them and change a little bit as you go through the story quests, do stuff for them. And, and I just think that's great. They, they've expanded all of the, they've expanded all the weapons in this version where they've added a new weapon. Uh, you, you probably remember the switch skills uh, mm-hmm. from, from the first one. So now they also have the ability to at mid hunt uh, switch uh, between two separate loadouts. So it's, it's like a cancel ability where you do a combo and then do a, do like a switch skill cancel and then immediately go into combo or cancel uh, or use it as like a defensive dash cam. And there are also uh, sets and abilities that synergize with where it's like if you're using your red loadout, uh, additional attack. If you're using your blue loadout, the, the new monsters that they released with this are really terrific. Uh, Rise uh, was sort of going for this um, Eastern horror aesthetic, uh, and a lot of the monsters played into that. And this expansion, Sunbreak, uh, goes in with the Western horrors, introducing monsters that sort of are like Frankenstein. They, they sort of have like a Frankenstein vibe to them. They have one that's very clearly like a vampire. They have, uh, but you know, they're all like stylized monsters. Very cool. Uh, and the end game sort of introduces this um, harder and harder scaling monster. You can kind of just keep hunting and keep unlocking like new weapons, new perks. The numbers can keep going up. So if you just want to keep playing Monster Hunter and, and, you know, they're constantly still releasing new monsters, um, new gear, new every jam pack. It's jamming. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't plenty of it. It was so good. Uh-huh. I didn't know whether or not to get it on PC and I guess... I remember also at the time, like I, I got on, I was feeling like I was getting onto it late, but also that there was so many people playing it that it usually was a four stack. So it was like, yeah. But we, we were actually able to, um, I, I forget who hopped on later. It might've been John, but we were able to get John into, I, I think one, one or two play session. We were mm-hmm. able to get him from Rise. In. So if you just want to experience that new, you can get there pretty fast because they also do give you the, um, like the shortcut armor, like the cheater armor. That's like, uh, it's like to be like, Armor that will take you all the way to like, the new content. Like, that's how it powers. So you could really just get through. And at that point, I don't know why they're not just like, okay, here's a, there's a shortcut. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess, it, I guess it teaches you a little, like, even if you're, if you're coming, if you, if you don't really, you know, if you want to get past all that, you at least have to see these monsters and kind of see what their playstyle is before you get to, like, the actual harder range. Ones.